All right, guys, welcome back. It's the New Blood Rising podcast. It's been a bit, but we're ready to get back into the fight here on uh, the wrestling podcast scene. You know, it's been a bit, but I think hopefully you remember us. If not, we will reintroduce ourselves. I am William Rinkin, joined by Jason Kiesler. How's it going, strangers? And the great Charlie Stabile. How you doing? It's been a while, you jackass. How are you? <laughs> uh, but uh, it's good to be back. And uh, we're not going to waste any time because it's time to get right back into Season 5, as we have called it from Sting to Hogan. We got a lot of ground to just to kind of make up where um, where we were in this whole mix of things. So as we always like to start off, our buddy Nick... He has always been really good to us, and he came through in the clutch with like less than 24 hours' notice. He was able to put together some great notes to help us kind of set the stage here for where we've been and where we're going here with Super Brawl 3. So without further ado, I'm going to cruise through this. I was telling the guys off air there's a lot to get through here, but it's all relevant and it's all good to hear. So here we go. Let's just go through our champions. Real quick, WCW champion, Big Van Vader. NWA World Heavyweight Champion, if you cared, is the Great Muda. The U.S. Heavyweight Champion is Dustin Rhodes. The WCW slash NWA World Tag Team Champions, Ricky Steamboat, Shane Douglas. WCW World Television Champion, nobody. It's vacant. WWF Champion, Bret Hart. Intercontinental Champion, Shawn Michaels. And the WWF Tag Team Champions are Money Incorporated. So here we go. Now, what I like about how the way Nick sends it, he he is paraphrasing the Meltzer notes from the Wrestling Observer back when these came out during this time period. A little bit of his commentary mixed in, which is very relevant. I appreciate it. Here we go. January 15th, 1993. The big news of the week is that Ric Flair will most likely be rejoining WCW in mid-February. Flair has received his release from WWF, even though his contract wasn't set to expire until September, and he will be free to join WCW after February 15th, which means he'll most likely debut at the Super Brawl pay-per-view and is expected to sign a multi-year contract well above the normal $1,000 per night that Bill Watts is offering everyone else. The story Dave is hearing from WWF sources is that McMahon asked Flair to retire to a front office position because he didn't want to use Flair as a main eventer anymore due to his age, which was 44 at the time. But he respects Flair too much to make him a mid-carder. It's, it's no secret that WCW had major plans or major plays to try to get Flair back recently, and Flair felt he'd have no trouble getting out of his contract. Flair has repeatedly wanted to go back to WCW for a while now. Regardless from all reports, the parting of ways between McMahon and Flair is said to be amicable, and there are no hard feelings. Flair will stay on through the next month and work all his advertised dates with WWF before leaving. Guys, Ron Simmons dropped the WCW title to Vader on 12:30 of 92. He was actually supposed to drop it at a house show the night before, and Bill Watts and a television crew flew out to the show only for Simmons to no-show the event. Can you, and you can imagine how much heat that caused. But he dropped it the next night, and as of now, Simmons' future with WCW is questionable. His contract expires next month and is currently claimed that he is uh, they claim that he's out with a shoulder injury. Cactus Jack turned babyface at the following TV tapings to fill the empty face spot that Simmons's absence leaves behind. Meanwhile, WCW is considering several other new hires: Davy Boy Smith, Terry Funk, Chris Benoit, and possible face heel turns with Arn Anderson, Eric Watts, etc., to shake up the roster. WWF sent Davy Boy Smith a fax telling him he can't use the British Bulldog name. Because they own it. I was wondering about that. <laughs> I know, too. The Justice Department 
has been calling in more and more wrestlers and personnel in for interviews regarding their probe into the WWF. Speaking of, Captain Lou Albano. <laughs> do you say Albano or Albano? How do you say Albano? Which Whichever one? way Cindy Lauper says it, that's the yeah. right way. Albano. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say Albano. Had been considering a WWF return, but decided against it because he has several <laughs> acting jobs on the table, and all the roles are for children's shows and movies. Albano figures it wouldn't look good if he was in WWF if shit gets real with the Justice Department investigation. <laughs> right, he's, he's got to protect that. It's either WWF yeah. or Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, he's got to protect that Mario money. <laughs> A sign in front of Caesars Palace in Las Vegas for WrestleMania lists Brutus Beefcake, LOD Animal, Paul Ellering, and Jake Roberts as among those appearing at WrestleMania. <laughs> wow. That'll sell some tickets. <laughs> One of the LOD. <laughs> right. WCW is looking to bring in a few wrestlers. Oh, you don't say. One of them, <laughs> is, that, is that right? <laughs> one of them is uh, Steve Regal from England. Oh. Ooh. Who I, Dave, I hear he's who, promising. Who Dave has never seen, but hears good things. Uh, <laughs> That's nice. They're also interested in indie stars Rob Van Dam and Max Payne. At WCW's latest tapings, a group of girls at ringside were holding up signs that said, WCW, Watts can't wrestle. And mm. Daddy told me I could win. Dave yeah. is pretty sure those signs won't appear on television. Skipping ahead, January 20th, 1993. Monday Night Raw debuted on January 11th. As a concept, the live show is a, it, the idea is good. However, the first episode was not. Dave says... It was co-hosted by a New York, uh, New York radio DJ named Rob Bartlett, who wasn't oh, funny, yeah. and spent most of the show trying to be funny and get himself over, making fat jokes about Yokozuna, and just mostly being intolerable. It appears that the big selling point for the show will be a crude toilet humor, which Dave just isn't interested in. The first show rating was eh, pretty good, 2.5, and for the first four to six weeks, it'll probably stay that way. But unless the show improves on its shaky debut, ratings will surely drop. Eh. We'll see about that. You know, I... how far can they drop? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's uncancelable. You cannot cancel that show. Never. It's a little long in the tooth. Mm-hmm. Davy Boy Smith was supposed to debut for WCW at the Clash, but there's still problems with this WCWF contract that they're trying to work out. So that has been postponed. But it's believed he's agreed to work 100 dates during 1993 for 100 thousand dollars, which is the standard 1,000 dollars per night. Bill Watts deal. And if he goes overseas for any European shows, they will work out a separate deal since his drawing power is so much bigger over there. Sid Vicious is also expected to be coming back to WCW soon. They've also had meetings with Eddie Gilbert about possibly coming in as a manager, but nothing agreed to yet. Paul Orndorff has signed a one-year deal as well. Ron Simmons was fined $2,000 for no showing that show a couple weeks ago and has been in the doghouse ever since. That's not fair. There's a thousand bucks a night. He gets fined for two nights? Come on. I mean, you are the world champion (laughs) at that time. You know what I mean? It's true. Yeah. His contract expires in a few weeks and his future with WCW is uncertain. Medusa is also gone. Reportedly, she wanted to wrestle in WCW, didn't have any interest in a women's division. Dave suspects she'll be headed to WWF to manage Shawn Michaels in feud with Sensational Sherry. 
Vader's contract expires in March, and pretty much every wrestling company in the world wants him right now, so they better hope they can lock him down. This will be a fun one. Rick Rude is out until March with a bulging disc in his neck. WCW is refusing to pay him while he's not working, despite the injury occurring in the ring. Rude has a Lloyd's of London's insurance policy, which pays him $20,000 per month if he can't work, but it doesn't kick in for three months. Needless to say, there's a tremendous amount of heat between Rude and Watts over this issue. At the latest TV tapings, Bill Watts cut a shoot promo about Rude refusing to return the U.S. belt. Rob Van Dam, wrestling under the name Robbie V, debuted at the latest TV tapings in WCW, of course. Robbie V, I love it. Uh, February 1st, 1993. Here we go. WCW and Smoky Mountain Wrestling now have a working relationship, which saw Cornette return to WCW along with Stan Lane, Tom Pritchard, and Bobby Eaton and led to a promo between Cornette and Watts. Cornette was mostly cheered while Watts was heavily booed. <laughs> Steve Regal debuted at, debuted at the latest WCW TV tapings. Dave hasn't seen him in action yet. But still has heard good things about Steve. <laughs> He's heard, here we go. He's heard good things about his wrestling, but he has no ring presence. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a crock of shit. Oh, quick update, guys. Robbie V, which is also known as Rob Van Dam, passed his tryout with WCW and has been offered a one year contract. For $1,000 a night. For well, if Max nights. Payne could pass it. That's right. I, I don't see why Rob Van Dam couldn't. Here we go. Stop the presses. Big time rumors that Hulk Hogan is negotiating with WCW. And even Ted Turner has told people they've had talks. There's also been rumors that he's been talking with Angelo Poffo about his local Florida promotion. Dave thinks Hogan wants these rumors to be out there because they help his negotiating power with WWF. He says the only real advantage that WCW can offer him over WWF would be movie work with Turner Broadcasting. Certainly, certainly will. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Ted. Thanks a lot. <laughs> February 8th, 1993. On to actual news now. Ric Flair has signed with WCW this week, and they plan to announce that Flair will make his return at the WCW Super Brawl pay-per-view later this month. They're also expected to announce Davey Boyd Smith's debut at the same pay-per-view. Hulk Hogan was at the CNN Center in Atlanta last week. Word is he was there negotiating a movie deal, although rumor is that there have been some discussions between Hogan and WCW. Hogan and friend Brutus Beefcake were both at WWF offices last week as well, and Beefcake returned to the company on the most recent Raw and talked about Hogan, which Dave takes as a pretty good sign that Hogan is coming back. WCW will be doing its first steroid test on February 15th. Johnny B. Bat's contract expires in a few weeks. His current contract, this is funny, is for $156,000 per year. Bill Watts has offered him $350 per night for 200 shows, $70,000 per year with the possibility to earn another $30,000 a year in bonuses, which even under the best circumstances still amounts to more than a $50,000 per year pay cut. Dave says odds are pretty good that he'll be headed to WWF in March. He almost went there last time his contract was up, but chose to stay with WCW. Diamond Dallas Page's contract is up also and received a lowball deal from Watts. DDP turned it down. He's out injured right now anyway, but may be headed to Smoky Mountain Wrestling when he heals. TBS WCW executives Bob DeHue 
and Bill Shaw are taking a more hands-on approach at WCW, so expect some noticeable changes over the next few weeks. A lot of them may be big changes. The payroll to this one, the payoff to this comes tomorrow. At the WCW tapings on February 1st, the whole show was stopped because a pipe broke in the bathroom and flooding the backstage area where all the equipment was. Boss, man. (laughs) They held up the show for 20 minutes trying to get it under control (laughs) before canceling the taping altogether and announcing they'd be back at the February 9th, uh, February 9th to try again. We're almost there, folks. We're coming to the end. February 15th, 1993. Major shakeups in WCW as Bill Watts and Jim Ross both lost significant power this week. Turner WCW executives Bill Shaw and Bob DeHue have divided the company into three parts. Pay-per-view division, headed up by some executive lady named Susan Sedello, a TV division had not yet named, and a wrestling product division that Watts will remain in charge of. Since TV is the most important part of the company, whoever ends up running the TV division might become the most powerful front office employee. Right now, the leading candidates are reportedly Keith Mitchell, David Crockett, Tony Schiavone, or Eric Bischoff. Jim Ross, formerly VP in charge of television, took the biggest fall. Oh, shit. Being removed. (laughs) Being removed from the VP position and also being removed from all television and will no longer be announcing for the company, which Dave pretty much calls a stupid decision. Tony Schiavone and Eric Bischoff will take over announcing duties on shows that Ross previously called. Many in WCW are happy about the decision because Watts and Ross are both extremely unpopular in the locker room. Turner management also laid down some new rules, clearly aimed mostly at Watts, saying that executives can no longer yell and swear at, em- excuse me, at employees. Also, they can no longer wear jeans or zubas and are expected to wear suits and ties. This rule is aimed at Dusty Rhodes, Dave says. <laughs> what? What's a zuba? <laughs> Those, oh, you know the pants? Yeah, parachute pants. With the, oh, PN yeah, News man. pants? What are you talking like? You know, they're kind of like, they got this, like a, a there usually is a pattern on them. There's Any like a, picture you see of Sting where he's not in wrestling tights during this era, those are Zubas. It's the, those or, are the fanny Or pack. how about this? The Sandman's ring attire was most of oh, the Zubas. Oh, now we're, now, wait, Dusty wore these? Yeah. It's the oh, biggest no. Dubai you've ever seen. <laughs> I, yeah, I would have passed the law too. I, I, I can just, we can't he's have. He's just that. a common man. He's just a common man. <laughs> What's wrong? Why are you staring at Dusty's ass? I mm. never get to see the sailboat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here, furthermore, WCW has put together a massive booking committee that will now handle booking storylines and angles. This sounds like a great idea, folks. Bill Bill Watts, Dusty Rhodes, Greg Gagne, Bill Dundee. Jim Barnett, Keith Mitchell, Ole Anderson, Jim Ross, Larry Zabisco, Susan Sadello, Mike Graham, Eric Bischoff, Michael Hayes, and Dr. Joyce Brothers. I'm just kidding about the last <laughs> one. <laughs> Love it. Love it. How about that? <laughs> Our, uh, these people, are, they're all on the committee. That's insane. Ric Flair may be joining as well. Whoa! As he returns to the company. <laughs> and then here's the, here's the best part. I'm glad they saved him for the end. And Sid Vicious was promised a spot on the committee of East. Please, God. Also. Wait a minute. <laughs> I think I should have all the belts. And like I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> Softball tournament. 
We had the King of Cable. Why can't we have the Sultan of Softball? <laughs> With Watts losing significant power, the issues regarding Rick Rude being paid while he's injured have been worked out. Rude has been paid what he said he was owed and has returned the U.S. title belt and is expected to be back in the ring when he recovers. Johnny B. Bad is expected to stay now, having gotten a more favorable contract worked out by going over Watts' head to Bill Shaw and negotiating a new deal. New Japan is still expressing interest in Hogan to try and bring him in for a show in May, possibly to book him in a match against WCW champion Big Van Vader, which obviously has a lot of political ramifications if it were to happen. Dave can't imagine Hogan agreeing to lose, and WCW won't allow their world champion a job to WWF's biggest star, so he can't say how that match would ever happen. Ric Flair has reportedly not received an official written release from WWF yet. WCW received confirmation of a release from WWF, but it wasn't notarized, and until they can get it legally confirmed, WCW has put all plans to announce Flair's return on hold. If they don't get things straightened out in the next few days, it's unlikely Flair will appear at Super Bowl as planned. Well, okay. The Taz Maniac got a tryout at the latest WCW TV tapings. The Tasmaniac? The Tasmaniac. Ah, okay. And that's it, folks. That is That brings us, hopefully, Jeez. up to date. Hopefully, it kind of clarifies some things a little bit. Not a ton, but it kind of at least sets the atmosphere for where we're at with this whole thing. By the way, Super Bowl three, we're going to be in Ash- the Asheville Civic Center in Asheville, North Carolina. Attendance, approximately 6,500. And the date is February 21st of 1993. Jason, you got you wanted to add in a, couple, a little fun bit here, so... Have at it, sir. That's right. So February 21st, 1993, um, during our absence, I was listening to a podcast that had this real fun game, and we're going to make Charlie play that game. So Charlie. Time to play the game. That's right. And and all good. (laughs) Until that fucking mouth fart. But uh, so we're going to play the box office game. For the week of February 21st, 1993. So, what was... And you don't have to do it in any order, but uh, let's see. What was the number one box office movie that weekend? 1993. Uh, February? Um, Alright, let's start throwing some stuff out. The Fugitive. No. Uh, it's not Jurassic Park. Uh, nope. Nope, nope, nope. February. I... Is it Dave? No, it's not. That's oh. a good guess. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I, can't, I don't remember that. Would you, would you like a hint? Yeah, yeah. I, I, clearly I need it. It's uh, based on a holiday. It's Groundhog Day. Okay, good. Man, screechy <laughs> cult. <right>. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, good. I was shocked. Day was did... number one that far in That's... that weekend. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, if you think about it, this is only a couple weeks after actual Groundhog Day. Well, so. the pro- the well, the big problem with that movie's box office was uh, the weekend that it released. It released during a massive snowstorm, and uh, and the, and they were really upset because of the money that it made. The opening weekend wasn't what they thought it would be. But I had no idea that it, it was still number one like two or three weeks later. That movie did fine. Yeah. But it's so all right, so we'll do we'll just stick with the top four. Can you think of any other movie that would have been the top four that weekend? Uh give me a hint. Will was in a play of one. Oh. 
I, I know. Oh. A few good men. Thank you. Not... Huh? Is it a few good men? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a few good men. All right. The other one uh, essentially defined everyone's Pacino impression from this point forward. Oh, oh son of a woman. Yep. Classic. Yeah. And then number four, it is from a multi-time Academy Award director. Who also acts. Unforgiven. Yes, Unforgiven. Damn, That's what's nuts, though. Those are 92 movies. Those are 92 movies. Yeah, that's really throwing me here. Yeah. But that's That's what's listed based on Box Office Mojo. um, I mean, it's just a different. Yeah. I mean, it was a a different different time. time. Yeah. Yeah. That's back You got to remember, movies movies weren't like coming out. 10 weeks after being released to be put on digital home video. Probably too. This is when like, this was still, this is that era of time where once the nominations came out, these movies had surges in their box office again. And all those movies had nominations for that year. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's cool. That's really cool, man. Yeah. We won't do it every week because then Charlie can look up and be ready. No, I know. I've never, I have never once done that. No, <laughs> man, dude. Have, if any of you've ever played revenge with this man, this man, oh, this man, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> he, <laughs> I'm lucky that like we're cool. Like, so if we're on a team, we're gonna be fine. But I wouldn't if I was somebody else tagging with him. I wouldn't trust him. He ain't gonna, <laughs> just gonna be over there flipping his little stick, getting all jacked up all with this. Up. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's planning on something. Why are you constantly <laughs> taunting? Don't worry about it. Why you're the ref? Why are you taunting? Don't right. worry about it. <laughs> Why is Steve Austin flipping me off? <laughs> just, just, just count it. <laughs> no. All right, so but let's get into it. Let's get into Super Brawl three. As we said, we're in Asheville, North Carolina, which is kind of cool because with the whole flair returning, I believe Unforgiven '98 was in Asheville too, right? Uh, that was yeah. Raleigh, wasn't it? Or, and and Austin thought, and Dude Love, yeah. Yeah, and I because I think that was that's been rumored that he, there was a chance that he was going to pop up in WWF that night, but they they worked it out. Oh, I remembered that. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole reason he's not in uh, uh, Revenge to get back to Revenge. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Rick Rick Flair had a contract dispute with Bischoff, and that's the yeah. and that's the whole reason we didn't get him in revenge. I didn't realize he wasn't in there. All right. Well, um, I guess to start off this show, I, we'll save. Why don't we save the White Castle vignettes for all together before oh, the match? Yes, because I think it was funny how they decided to like so tease weird. it out the way they did. But whatever. Um, the I the first image is just great. Sting. Getting Benoit by Vader. Um, oh to, yeah, to, to start to to the, start the show. The Justin Roberts, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> and, you know, and, and we get the the wonderful narration in an attempt to permanently eliminate Sting. <laughs> like, oh yeah, it's it, I, it's a pretty fun opening video package just because like I just again anytime Vader is just like like it's it's just such peak Vader. That like, 
every time he speaks, he just he is formidable and intimidating. And especially when they're doing those backstage vignettes with him and Harley, you just can't get enough of it. Yep. It's a great time. So we open the show. Then once we uh, get through all that, Eric Bischoff and Missy Hyatt. I'll be honest, guys. Most of the time, whenever they cut back to Bischoff and Johnny B. Bad, I don't have a tremendous amount of notes for that stuff. Just a forewarning, just because it's mostly just kind of nonsense. <laughs> but um, Bischoff with Missy and, uh, you know, um, we got update, folks. Uh, sorry if you were expecting Ron Simmons versus Dustin Rhodes. That is not going to happen. You know, based you, you heard the opening, so you know what's kind of going on there. So. Uh, we got we have now have Dustin Rhodes defending the U.S. Heavyweight Title against Max Payne. No, not the video game. This is a different Max Payne. The Mark Wahlberg think, Max Payne. If you were thinking it was the video game, it's not. Um, I think so he ended up suing the makers of the video game. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I'm, I'm pretty sure he did. He sued uh, Rockstar, 3D Realms, or whatever it was. And, and it was um, the slowest, most plotting legal thing ever. I'm yeah, sure. they're like, but our Max has one X. Ah, well. <laughs> well, and fuck. <laughs> um, but the the other, so we have that, and then also Missy tells us she has uh, quite the coup of an interview, but is not telling anyone. She'll be telling us pretty soon, so don't worry. It's not going to be that big of a secret <laughs> throughout the whole show. But um, we then bring out a. Uh, uh, we got Johnny B. Bad in his love boat costume. Uh, yeah, who comes out. I was who, wondering if he had a family member die and left him a lot of money so we can get the Miro Foundation. Dude, I mean, the, I mean, talk about like, I wonder how much he got paid to do this because he just comes out and he's just going to stand there with Bischoff and Missy and have a couple rhymes, but mostly just very generic. <laughs> I can't tell if he's been demoted or promoted. <laughs> I, I couldn't figure it out. You know, it's just like, he's not wrestling. Like, he's doing this. Is he injured? Is it because of the contract thing he's got going on? Yeah. Uh, it's 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 strange. And plus, like, the way he talks is Johnny B. Bad. I, it, it just gets grating after a while. It does, because he starts off trying to at least do the rhymes, which, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, he... he his whole shtick was a Muhammad Ali type of thing anyway with the mm -hmm. boxing and the, you know, that's the way he would try and hype up the crowd or whatever. But then like by the end of the show, he's just sort of like, well, I think Sting's got a lot of fans. So I think you'll win. <laughs> Cause he's got this Idiot. big man. Vader's big, but Sting's got the stingers. Like, so you're thinking children are going to mug Vader. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's the, it's the uh, Seinfeld episode. They just cornered yep, Vader in an there alleyway. It is. <laughs> But now we go to ringside, and um, man, it's it's unfortunate. We, we no longer have Jim Ross with Jesse Ventura. He's now been replaced by, man, he's a good old lad, that Tony Schiavone. He's got a good future, that kid. Um, so now we go to, we, uh, what a transition from them, you know, talking about the card and everything to um, Max Payne doing a rendition of the National Anthem, which I was like, it sounds pretty good. I mean, I, I was like, man, not not too bad. I'm not sure if you're a face or a heel and why you're doing this. Right. Here, here we are. And then his uh, his guitar just kind of farts midway yeah, through, yeah, that, and, and he, he just kind of like, stops. He adds like a hundred different notes to the national anthem. Like this song, that song's long enough as it is. Oh, I know. I mean, hey, I, I, I just like, but but yeah, he like the parts that he played that are you know from the song. Yeah, those were great. <laughs> 
But like these these little like flourishes that he would do, because usually we just see that with the singers of the, doing the national anthem, they just add their own whoo thing right, at the right, end right. or whatever. Right, right, right. But here we get it on a guitar version, and yeah, this it, totally fits with his character, and the guitar has a name too. Yeah, I Norma the Jean. Thing that's, what's confusing about this is when he walks out, I'm like, oh, that's a heel. But it's like, but he plays the national anthem pretty like. Yeah, like, I was expecting like, like Roseanne Barr national right. anthem. I thought Which, he was just gonna demolish him. <laughs> Play like Canada's that, national anthem, you know, a different national go. anthem. Oh, in Asheville, where we still where? have health care, <laughs> we yeah. take care of our sick, <laughs> we have gun control. Yeah, I'm sorry, I just Shut keep up, thinking Blit. of Vince Russo's idea of Bret Hart training Steve Austin for WrestleMania, oh. and I th- I'm thinking of Rocky Dude, Three. What a great them, idea that is! Them running on the beach together, yeah, and, and just and just hearing Brett, what's the matter with you? <laughs> Oh, dude, that would... And then this poor, those dumb assholes is like, this is why Russo isn't booking shit today. It's like immediate. The first comments were negative. Like, dude, it's that's a really good idea. the best idea Russo arguably ever had. I, I, just just reading it, I was having a blast. I mean, he's he's batting 125. I mean, hey, you know what? He's getting he's going <laughs> to get a dinger in there. He's, getting, <laughs> he's due. He is due. He is due. I got a hunch he's due. So, um... So here we go. First match, uh, Jason. We've got Flying Brian and Stunning Steve. They, I don't think they have the name yet, so they're just Flying Brian and Stunning Steve are taking on the electrifying combination of Eric Watts and uh, Marcus Alexander Bagel. So That's go ahead right. and take it away for us. So the internal rookie continues. But yet, Austin was doing the camera. Yes, motion. he was. He was. The uh, name is the only thing that's missing. Yep. And they don't have, like, the matching attire quite yet because Austin's still got the robe um on here so it was pretty exciting to get to see this tag team uh kind of start out and the crowd is immediately ready for him too like you know as far as uh Buff and Eric Watts <laughs> I'm kidding um because Eric Watts is greeted with booze like the crowd is into like he's supposed to be a good guy the moment that guy gets in the ring boo I'm like man you know you don't you don't think of Asheville being on like Philly level into into hating on people um, at some point during the match, Jesse says, "On spaghetti legs, looks like you, Shivani, at the bar the other night." And Shivani just goes, "Yeah, were you there?" And he goes, "No, but I heard things." And he's like, "Don't believe everything you hear." Already, it's like Jesse can't not antagonize somebody. This is the first match, and I think this is like in the first or second minute of the first match, and we're already getting eh, this stuff. Um, Giovanni's calling the play-by-play. Someone's like in a heel hook or something like that, and then there's just nothing. And Giovanni goes, "You can talk." <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> and Jesse goes, "Well, you're the play-by-play guy." Um, and it's just, I, I don't know. You know, uh, my my biggest note on here is Watts is wrestling like crap, and it's not just because oh, you know I don't really like him and he is a negative charisma, but it's also like he is. He's real sloppy. Um, you know, at this point, as long as he's been around, and I'm sure getting the rotations because his dad's going to make sure he is out there. It's just, it's not really good. Um, but what's neat is uh, they were there booing Eric Watts, the crowd. And this is in 93. Shivani gives us an audio Simpsons meme before it actually was on The Simpsons. He's like, because the crowd is booing. And he, Jesse says, the crowd booing. And he goes, are you sure it's boo or woo? I'm like, <laughs> Like, ooh, that's uh, that's what's up. Uh, Tony says that Eric Watts has wrestled a smart match. 
so far. And this exact moment, it's as like Eric Watts can hear him, goes, I'm going to prove him wrong. So he has Austin in a Boston Crab, and he's pulling Austin towards his own partner in his corner. Not away from him, towards Pillman. It's just stupid. Um, Pillman lures <laughs> Watts into the corner for a double team, but somehow messes up, and the turnbuckle takes out Eric Watts. Um, and, man, you can hear You were able to hear that whole that turnbuckle like anytime anyone hit that corner the whole night for whatever reason. Um, I don't understand. So if a ref doesn't see a face tag team tag, it's not a tag, but if a ref doesn't see a heel tag team tag, so fucking what? Um, we just get into, of course, a smaz of a finish. Uh, it was cool to see the, the Hollywood Blondes start to get in here, but, you know, it's Eric Watts and, of course, Buff, so it gets negative points, but it gets a five. Uh, Charlie, what'd you think of this match? Uh, what'd you think? Huh? <laughs> what do you think of the product? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. I'm not a fan. Uh, no, this was okay. It's not bad. Uh, it, like, Eric Watts, absolutely. Like, the one thing I noticed that looked really, really shit is he this arm drag that he does to Pillman. And and Shivani's on him the whole time. He mentions it. He's like, well, he didn't get all that one uh, before Michael Cole coined that with the uh, springboard stunner. Uh, to further elaborate what Jason was saying about the referee, this was really weird. Uh, Pillman tags himself in with Austin. Ref doesn't see it. Ref sees Pillman in the ring, actually tries to get Pillman to leave the ring. Starts Even starts the five count. And then when he gets to three and sees that Pillman's not leaving, he just stops. He's like, well, he why just, push it? Why push it? Yeah, he's like, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. He just lets I it go. I don't want to start the night off with conflict. Yeah, right. So Eric Watts... Uh, I thought this was pretty cool. Austin uh, clotheslines him over the top rope, and I had to rewind it because uh, I, I had I'd been looking elsewhere. But he lands on his shoulder uh, on the ring apron, and Shivani sells this as him being hurt. And then Austin just goes out and gives him just a nasty boot to the face. <laughs> like I thought he was going out to like check on him, you know, like do a little headlock, like you okay? How you doing there, brother? But no, I just like, yeah, eat it. Yeah, I just, just kicked him in the face. It was great. Uh, Jesse Ventura had a phenomenal line that I love. It's classic Jesse Ventura. It ain't about who initiates. It's about who gets caught. And boy, like, I, that just that really hit that really hit me where it needed to. This was okay. Not bad. I gave it a six. Uh, um, I'll tell you, I liked... Um... There's a thing Eric Watts did that I I thought was I, I at first when he started it I was like what the hell is he doing when he caught I think it was either Pillman or Austin's leg and he does this spin into an STF which was really cool and I was like wow I've never seen anybody do that with all the people I've done an STF and I was like I'm shocked Cena never ripped this off mm-hmm. because this this seems like just because it was one of those like you catch the leg and I don't. It's hard to even describe, but you'll see him like he does like almost like a twist with the guy's leg. And then all of a sudden they're on the ground and he's got a perfect SDF locked in. It's like the one really good thing he did in the match because you guys outlined it the whole way through. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, um, I, I didn't like it very much. Um, I, I, I just I just I just didn't. I mean, it just seemed like a match just built around his buffoonery uh, for the most part. <laughs> it seemed and it. The I'd say this the the sequence of the match was generally speaking like 
How many ways can the referee be distracted so we both can just beat on each of these guys for a while? I will say, though, you know, as much shit as we give Buff Bagel, um, th- there are times when he's Marcus Alexander where he's a pretty good baby face. You know, he does pretty good. Like his, I, I'm, I like his right hands and stuff like that. He, he does all right. But my favorite part of the match by far is the not tag where you think it's going to be a hot tag. And I think either Austin or Pillman are like, nope, smack. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it a four. I'm sorry. I, I, it's, it's, it, I, I love Pillman and Austin, clearly. It's just the opponents were not very – it's just not a great tag team. I love, though, they – I guess this was a bit of a feud, as they were talking about, um, that they had been kind of – been going at each other. I love they kept calling them the uncrowned champions. Uh, talking about Billman and Austin, which was pretty neat. Uh, the last thing I'll say is this is about as good as the commentary as a tandem is because this, this the bickering. Like at first, I liked that Shivani was kind of standing up for himself because it was clear Jesse was just going right at him. It gets substantially worse as this show goes on to the point where it's kind of unbearable at times. But hey, I get the feeling know. they don't like each other. Like, I get from this show. I get that too. I totally picked up on that because there's. I forget which match it is. I didn't because I didn't want to. I didn't want to derail what notes I had. But there's one match where it just seems like the match becomes secondary, and it's like, huh? Let's see how this conversation unfolds. <laughs> is it uh, at some point uh, Shivani says something, and Jesse goes, "Oh, so you're prepared?" He says, "Yeah, you got to be prepared." And Jesse said, "Yeah, you." Wanna... You always want to be prepared. People lose their jobs for not being prepared. Yeah. <laughs> like, and with everything you just went over and like, I was like, right. What? <laughs> it's, it's like, wait a minute. Uh, this is kind of, well, dumb. like, is it in this match where he says, that's not a hip toss. That's a Beal. And like, oh, you yeah, know, later that. And then there's a point where Jesse starts doing play by play. Right. Uh, and Shivani's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Getting that glove gox. That's crack. <laughs> All right. So Bischoff and uh, Johnny B. Bad talk about Flair returning. And Missy, this is Missy's big interview. So shocker, uh, that, that storyline of the evening is over. Missy Has gets, Missy ever gotten her big interview? Uh, well, like, to some, some may argue she did when Stan Hansen came out of that. Uh, ah, that's yeah. right. Greatest <laughs> moment of this season and probably top five of the podcast for sure um, is sexy Stan Hansen. Or how about Missy getting roughed up by the lady cop here? Yeah. Missy's wow. pretty good in this bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, her physical comedy is really good. I mean, it's just the limo rolls up. It's flair. There's security. There's... There's ladies. There's a then. There's cops. There's a lady cop. Missy. The not the not so secret service with their giant fucking headsets. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. So it, it's it's. I mean, obviously, like for the time period, this was a, probably a massive moment to be able to see him back on television, which was really cool. So. Oh yeah, it's just like also why, why blow the surprise? I mean, like right. they're like. It's like, here we go, we think it's who it is, and it could be a limo, and it could have been someone else getting out of the limo. It'd been funny if it's just Max Payne. <laughs> he was already there. He just gets out of the limo. So, but, uh, so what about when Max Payne joins the York Foundation, he becomes Maxwell Payne? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I need the old Max Payne back. <laughs> Comes out and just starts playing guitar riffs in front of everybody. 
What, what did will... Thomas Paine write? The art, what did he write? Was that the Articles of Common Sense or something? Who was it? Thomas Paine. He wrote Common Sense, the pamphlet. Yeah. Max Maxwell Paine. <laughs> Common Sense, the guitar solo. <sighs> Oh, man. I'll, I'll right. say though, like when Flair is coming back, I thought this was really weird because I love Jesse Ventura. I always have. He when when Ventura comments on Flair's return, Ventura makes it about himself. You he pick does. Up on that? The body meets the the man. The first time that the body and 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 the man have been in the same building at the same time, he says something like that, and I'm like, yeah, it's it gets him what. Yeah. Yeah, just and th- and then he does it again later, which we'll we'll talk about right. it later. But it's just so weird. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it Jesse's in Jesse's kind of Jesse's going into business for himself tonight. It's exactly what he did. <laughs> yeah, the exactly. whole night he's like, I got a new partner. I'm gonna run all over this guy. And... Yeah, he said something like that. Like I guess the Abraxas money stopped coming in. Yeah, because it's it's just he's like setting up a program with Flair, and it's like we know that's never going to happen. Right. <laughs> well, it's, he didn't have Twitter then. <laughs> now we're now let's get down to some real business here, Charlie, because this is a good fucking match. That's up next. This is a badass wrestling match. Uh, Chris Benoit versus Two Cold Scorpio. Man, well, well, here's your uh, here's my pick for match of the night. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I, and I've got a few reasons. Um, so let's yeah, I'll, I, I'll I'll try to go through this. I was really happy to see Benoit come through the curtain, and then I was even happier to see Two Cold Scorpio come through. I was like, oh my god, this is awesome! So, uh, best comment possibly the entire here night. Here comes. I know what you're going to say. I'm sorry. I'm go for I ha- it. I have to do it. <laughs> uh, I really didn't want to write it down, but I was like, if I can't let one of them have it, if I, if this match lands on me, uh, Jesse Ventura, again, <laughs> Jesse, he thinks that Chris Benoit will win this match, and when asked why, his response is because Benoit is the one with the killer instinct. <laughs> I that's just so on the nose. I it. Uh, Charlie, anyway. I'm doing my I'm doing my WrestleMania seven guy sitting next to Trump in the front row. Yeah, yeah. When Hogan's uh, hulking up, yeah. Trump's buddy is my favorite. Yeah. Uh, oh no, no, no! I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's when Slaughter puts the flag the over flag Hogan. Up. That's what it was. Yeah, the guy's like, "Yo, the pro wrestling is brilliant." <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, get back to this match. There's a couple of really amazing uh, catches catch can series going on here. Uh, I'm trying to think. In particular, it's when their hands are locked up. Uh, like some of the balancing acts that they do, and and I'm not usually a fan of the flippy wrestling, but this is good flippy wrestling uh, with Two Cold Scorpio landing on his feet, and like it was it was suspenseful. It was awesome. Like their styles clash together so well. Um, then we see, I think it's Benoit that does it. This is almost the first time I think that I've seen a lion tamer. Because this is it's it's almost a lion tamer. Uh, yeah. What what Benoit is doing, and they even comment. Uh, Jesse comments on it, saying it's not quite a Boston crab because he's sitting further back. It's like, yeah, like you know, wait till you see the other guy do it. Um, and then that's when I heard, uh, and this is when the match went to another level for me. Uh, we hear Capetta 
say that 10 minutes have passed and it, or something. And as soon as I heard that, I just groaned. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, this is going to end in a draw. And that's usually the way this always happens. And then the countdown starts with Capetta counting down in the microphone. And you're like, yep, seen this a million fucking times. Let's just yeah. get to the draw. And then out of nowhere, there's a three count. And I, and I, I, I honestly, I came out of my seat. I was so excited. And, and then Ventura immediately starts like calling it out and saying, no, it was after. And I'm like, oh, God, don't reverse it. And they didn't. Like, it actually ended on the wire. Uh, and it was great. A lot of fun. Very action-packed. Uh, match of the night for me. I gave this a seven. Jason, what would you think of this? Benoit does a lot of Bret Hart posing. One of the first things I noticed. Comes out in his jacket. He's doing the Bret Hart like, hey, whatever that is, where Bret Hart just puts his <laughs> arms out, you know? Is he you know, Bret, Bret Hart Fonzarelli, hey. yes. Hey. I don't know how to, hey. it's where he just looks, he just kind of shrugs, the Bret Hart shrug. You know what I'm talking about? He shakes his hands, I wish you could see me. <laughs> he he um, hits the jukebox and, and the and the Hitman theme plays. Yeah, that's what it is. But, uh... They talk about, uh, Je- you know, Jesse goes really in on uh, making Benoit feel like a big deal. He calls him a graduate of Stu Hart's basement. That's which my is favorite. M- more line. terrifying than the dungeon. I mean, it really is. It's like, it it sounds like he kind of demotes it, though. Like, yeah. He, he, you know, he just came out of Stu Hart's basement. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like, what? And then just starts going, you know, you know about the basement, right, Shivani? A lot of, uh, a lot of men go into that basement and never come back. It's <laughs> just like. <laughs> So do a lot of eight-year-old kids and workout equipment. But apparently, uh, a lot of people go to Atlanta, Georgia, and don't come back. Oh, For some reason, I, I, I don't know. I was in a weird mood, but uh, one of the announcers just go Benoit on the outside, and I just repeated on the outside. On um, <laughs> the outside. Uh, <laughs> the their their chain wrestling is incredible with yeah. the wrist lock stuff and the way that. You know, Benoit will, he flip handstands in the middle of the ring to get out of it. Scorpio will later, Benoit's got him in a wrist lock. He flips over the ropes to get out of it. Um, it's really cool. I do not know where this came from, but I've got don't talk with ice in your mouth. Yeah. So, so one uh, of, Je- I think. Jesse said that to Tony. Yeah. I was and I didn't know what the hell he meant by that. Yeah, I was I like. Know. What? Yeah, I, I don't know. If it wasn't for, and I gave this an eight, and it would have gotten to be, I almost, I almost gave it a nine. But when Ventura started talking about, no, no, that was the full twenty, I'm like, ah, fuck, they're gonna, they're gonna sponge the ending, and they didn't because it's really cool because when Competa goes in nineteen minutes and fifty nine seconds, your winner, like, and that crowd was hot for it. They were like, because they didn't want to draw, they wanted to see one of these guys win, and when you go that far, you make both people look really good. If you get 20 minutes of that kind of wrestling and for that pace, and God knows we're going to need it later on in the night. Um, but yeah, this was, I mean, like it definitely is match of the night for me. Um, I, the, the one part of the match that like, I'm sure people nowadays have had so much fun, just like, Oh, 
you know, doing the whole like NFL concussion thing. Like, why am I a fan of this? Why am I a fan of people getting their heads? When Benoit does the belly to back off the top rope and he yeah. hurt and, and they do, and it's a, it's a cool spot because like the way it plays into the match of like, he hurt his head doing the move, but then it's just sort of like, Oh my gosh, how many, and I'm sorry. Like, uh, the the one thing I don't want to do with Benoit matches anymore is every time he hurts his head, be like, well, that's when he became a killer. Right. That That's the moment. Every single time. It's like, oh, right. there it is right there. Boom. It's all wrong <laughs> because he became a killer the moment he killed. Like, it's not, I'm not being funny. I'm not being, no, like, I, it's just, that's, that's what But you know what you I mean? Like, I, I just, like, it's just sort of like, like, we know what the guy did was awful, but we, like, you know, we're still going to watch, like, I have no problem watching this match. I have no problem watching any of his matches, for that matter. And uh, it's a damn good match. So, you know, try to... I just couldn't help but think about, like, well, you know, I'm sure on... if I'm sure in some reviews, whether written or um, done in pod form or whatever, there has to be that discussion. Like, oh, all those... All the, all the unprotected shots he take to his head and everything. It's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, man. You know, it, it, there are plenty... You know how many guys have taken a lot of those and, you know, didn't murder their family? A lot. So, you know, let's not... Uh, Let's not get into that. So, um, I um, I think in pro wrestling, whenever they try to do the the draw, or they're going to use time as a major part of the match, and we've seen that with various like uh, you know they've done it with different types of these matches. But anytime time becomes a thing, and it's just sort of like something needs to be done, and this they always mess it up. It never works. It's always bad. You know what I mean? Like especially like when, oh, we're going to try and time out this pin to be like, it'll be like, it'll start the count, but the time will expire. And it happened. This was the one time it felt like they really nailed it. Like if the timing was absolutely perfect, it was probably more like 58 seconds, but whatever. It was really damn good the way they timed that out. I thought that was, I didn't, it completely caught me off guard that Scorpio would get the win or somebody would win. I no, didn't think it at all. I was like, eh, I thought the same you did. Because... I started to piece it together in the same way you did, Charlie, where I was like, man, they're doing a lot of rest holds here. What, what's going on here? Right. Like, what? man, there's a lot of chin locks going on with this. <laughs> but I will say that little hammer lock using your feet and flipping backwards. That oh, man, was doing, that hurt yeah. me. I, that hurt. Oh, God. That dang, was that. not fun to watch. Yep, that's when he became a killer. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's it. You just, that, that, hand bam. Trauma. Yeah, bam. <laughs> Scorpio, no. Um. But uh, I I thought it was cool how Ben like in the beginning like there's really not clear face heel but by the end of it Ben was like all right I'll he'll kind of subtly become the heel if he had to pick one in the match the way he would play off with the referee and stuff like that I was like all right that's right on but man talk about two guys at the perfect time wrestling each other perfect time of their careers because definitely like I I can't like clearly by the time he becomes Flash Funk like the magic is kind of gone with Scorpio. I know there's obviously a couple, you know, he comes back to Scorpio and WWF there for a bit with the job squad, but I don't remember it ever being really that interesting uh, no, with, no. with him. So uh, pretty cool. I gave it a seven. I liked it a lot. It was a good time. Um, I'm sure Gordon is a hoot. Oh yeah, man. I love the little, I, I wrote my note here. I, I put, I'm sure Gordon is a hoot because they talk about the hotline. Gordon Soley's on there. I was like, man, I bet during this time period, he's just like, get me another, get me another bourbon before I die. <laughs> now, what is Dustin speaking on? Like, I, it's not even a phone. He's like, hold on. I was like, what are, 
or is this like the old timey like Andy Griffith poems? Like what the <laughs> fuck? I, I did not understand. He's just and they they kind of play a little bit of it. I'm sure it's just like, man, I don't know where Ron is either. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Hey man, I like my dad's Zubas. I like them. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the sailboat. Uh, still, oh, um, well, uh, you know, it's what's incredible is we have yet a, another bit with Max Payne here. He's gotten talked about a lot. We got to see him play the national anthem on his guitar, and now we get to see him appear with the same guitar named Norma Jean um, during an interview with Eric Bischoff here, and. Uh, oh, so this one I wrote. Oh, he's a heel because you know we had to clarify that after he did the national anthem. No, this guy's not a good guy because you know he's fat, looks like he's from the Cure, and you know whatever. Ah, fuck him. <laughs> from the, the cure. fattest member of the Cure at that time, <laughs> Robert Smith is a hefty boy. Yeah, yeah he got. Uh, um, I, I wrote down here also. I was like, is he supposed to be Norman Bates because they do the thing with? He starts like calling out to his mom or My again. favorite part is that Max Payne apparently has a team of attorneys. Yeah. And managers. <laughs> that was negotiate. the best part of this whole thing. I was like, this guy? <laughs> he stole Brock Lesnar's gimmick before Lesnar had the gimmick of just getting into matches. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's it's wild. And then he and then I mean it if you if you didn't get enough of him playing guitar with the national anthem, he decides to play taps <sighs> for Dustin Rhodes because he's going to kill him, I guess. Um, well, taps <laughs> is like bedtime, which is just weird. I think even Jesse, you know, Navy SEAL, Jesse yeah. Ventura is like, he plays taps? <laughs> which is kind of our, it's not ironic considering, you know, their match they're going to have later that he plays what you play when he's time to go to bed. Um, but yeah, it's, it was just what the hell is is this? It's like, not, did he forget to play the funeral march? He just starts playing taps. Uh, yeah, man, it's it. Yeah, yeah, I, I was really anxious because I was like, oh, be careful, because I, I I thought he was gonna play a licensed song, and I was like, I can't wait to watch this WWE edit. I I, I couldn't wait, and then it was taps. <laughs> Like, he plays at the time "Happy Birthday" to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting some awful edit. Or is it, he radio start, edit. <laughs> he yeah. starts playing the freaking theme to Unsolved Mysteries, which would be intimidating as hell. Our On match. Guitar. <laughs> Robert Stack. No one has seen Ron Simmons. If you know where he's at, call the hotline and just gives us the Wish. number. We still don't know where the fuck this guy is. <laughs> That's yeah. the best part of the fucking movie. I love it. I love that part. It's me. I'm Ultra Magnus, and I solve mysteries on the, during the week. <laughs> oh. Man, next, we're really uh, trying to put off this match, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Man, I, uh. As I, I called this guy because he... He just looked dirty and just looked unkempt. Yeah, I put Dusty Dallas Page. <laughs> <laughs> Bong! <laughs> this sounds like a TCW wrestler. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> this is more like Dusty Fort Worth Page. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> 
Um, we have oh, Wild, Wild Bill Irwin with whip versus <laughs> not the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. That's right. <laughs> Which I swear they call him on this show. Do they not? Yeah, they call they him say the it, British but Bulldog. they don't. It's not in yeah. like his title, and it's not what he's announced at, so I guess right. it's okay. It's, do, you guys, do you guys remember that? Like when. When Hogan, when the the warrior came back, and Hogan calls him the Ultimate Warrior, and they had to bleep it out for future, right. like like when they did replays, so it's always like the old Warrior Brother. <laughs> it's the funniest. Thing. It's the fucking Warrior. <laughs> the WWF Warrior. <laughs> Look out over there! It's the Cunt Warrior. Just hey man, I think I told you when I played with my toys as a kid, I took Warrior. And I and I put him in the in ECW and I named Ooh. him the Extreme Warrior. <laughs> That's really good. That's oh, really and good. I beat the shit out of him. Yeah, just, oh yeah. He can take it. <laughs> he can put him go ahead, put him through all the tables. He doesn't give a damn. That's right. <laughs> so this is a squash match, but I'll try and bulldoze this pretty quick. <clears throat> I, here's something I don't want to... I've never understood this in wrestling. The crisscross running of the ropes. Oh, we I've get never, to see this shit twice tonight. I, I, I don't hate the crisscross. Unless somebody does a lariat, I, it's yeah. useless. Like I, I, if somebody does a lariat and just like completely like rikishi somebody, then mm-hmm. I don't care. Then I, I just I, I don't. Or the the Monty Brown pounce. That's that is also other, acceptable for a, you, a crisscross. That's, I got Can you, you imagine yeah, like yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin doing a crisscross? Or make me want to jump, jump. Or or maybe like someone like Kane. Doing a crisscross. Like, oh, he's done crisscrossing. Oh. <laughs> Yokozuna would be a good one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like if Virgil tried to do that with him in that one match. <laughs> oh, The that match was... of bad ideas. <laughs> I, I got it. I'm going to inside cradle a 500-pound man. Brilliant. <laughs> no just one will brilliant. see it coming. Yeah, he just sits on him. Just eat it. You know, just... <laughs> Hey, while you're down there, can you check and see if I wiped? (laughs) That is one of the best squash matches. Oh my god! I think he even tries a sunset flip. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Uh, um, uh, It there was a moment where I swear, um, I think the bulldog has him in a like a chin lock or something, and it looks like Bill Irwin yawns. Like he's even bored. <laughs> <laughs> the Davy Boy Smith chin lock. Oh no. Um, uh, I I do like when when uh Bill Irwin comes off the buckle and like I think I, I just wrote it's the fuck you shoulder block from Davy Boy Smith just <laughs> oh you're gonna take it kind of shoulder blocks yeah. that he gives him. Um I I'll tell you guys. We want to talk about like this is when I knew Tony came to play tonight. I, I came to play. Um, Tony, when they said like uh, where the um, the Irish whip came from, and he knew the answer immediately. Like yeah. he had the year. I was like, Tony won some trivia nights back in the day. Can you just imagine Tony like getting lit at the bar doing some trivia nights? Doing a spaghetti leg thing. Yeah. Eighteen ninety six. Irish whip. Yep. <laughs> yep, give me another. Speaking of Irish, yep, I'll, I'll take a Jameson. Jameson down. Jameson right here. Yeah. Uh, Woo! Fuck you, no We got a Bulldog Power Slam. Um, you know, for a first match for a guy that's really popular time, it's a decent little squash match. It, it announces the presence of Davey Boy and WCW. 
I still ended up giving it a five because I thought it was is a squash match. It's pretty good. He gets over pretty strong in it. So there it is. His promo, probably I give it a ten. It's amazing. But we'll get oh, to that. Oh no, God, that, that thing's amazing. <laughs> but anyway, would you guys, um, would you guys think of this one? You go ahead, Charlie. Okay, I'll be, I'll be quick. Um, I will say, I, I David Boy, I absolutely, I think he has the best standing vertical suplex. Like absolutely. Like it is gorgeous. Like it's 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 a perfect way to do the move. Uh, I absolutely love his version of it. Um, and yeah, the power slam. Yep, that perfectly done. This this frumpy guy. I, I've I've never seen him before. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna see him again. He was <laughs> he was okay. Like I did love how high his jeans were. Like to keep his stomach like in because he's like I'm fighting who. Bold, oh god like i gotta look a little better than this I, you know puts the beer in his pocket and... <laughs> <laughs> more like mild bill Irwin versus yeah. <laughs> i mean this this guy he looks like the berserker's cousin <laughs> it's pretty close huff huff but uh yeah i'm, I'm with will here uh i, I gave it a five <clears throat> Well, here we go. My favorite type of jobbers are one of two types. Either the dudes that just look like they're going to get obliterated. Just the ones you're just like, oh, this is going to be fun. Like the James Ellsworth looking guys. Or the guys that do look like almost knockoffs of people. Um, and Bill Irwin falls under that. We'll call it out with the, the dusty whatever dusty page. Dusty Dallas page. <laughs> um because he is definitely a jobber of jobbers. He looks like he's like the head henchman in a direct-to-video sequel of Roadhouse, but he doesn't get any lines, right? He would just be that. Um, because he's he's a big, tall dude, but he's just like out of shape. And standing next to the British Bulldog just looks yeah. even worse. Um, oh, yeah. The British Bulldog standing vertical suplex would look great if he had a guy who had core strength who could also hold himself up so it's oh, not God. just poor, poor, poor Bulldog doing it all. Because I think the back of Dude Man's cowboy boots, <laughs> like the back of his head. Um, Jesse has got a hard on for Bill Irwin to choke out the British Bulldog with one of his corn rolls, as he puts it. And Jesse Ventura and Tony Schiavone have a conversation about corn rolls, <laughs> uh, which, you know, is highly inappropriate, um, but incredible because, like, Tony Schiavone says, you know, it takes a long. He just. He answers it so politically. <laughs> Jesse says, would you let someone do corners your hair? He says, you know, it just takes a long time for someone else to do that, and I just don't have that kind of time. Which um, is phenomenal answer. Uh, then Jesse again pushes it and says, there uh, there ain't a lot of Rastafarians in Asheville. <laughs> there we right. go. There uh, we go. Jesse, yeah. I mean, I don't know about 93, but uh, there's some Rastafarians up there now. It is like... Homeless yeah, they, and hippie central. It is crazy. Although, could you imagine if evil Tony Schiavone came back with the cornrows? That would be oh, phenomenal. Man, Gosh. he just looks like Ron Swanson anytime Tammy Two's around. <laughs> Antonio Schiavone. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, there we go. Just, and instead of being like nerdy about comic book stuff like regular Schiavone, he knows like actual mob hits. Oh, it's like the date and time of so-and-so, Bobby the Fish. He got, like, Columbia neck tied right over there in that booth. 
Uh, I don't know why he's got an accent. Dino Sorry Bravo got shot 15 times in the face. <laughs> you know, I know who did it. I ain't saying, but I'm saying, you know, it's the McMahon. Uh, anyway, but uh, I thought that this was not a good squash match. I think if you've got someone on the caliber of the British Bulldog and you got old Wild Bill Irwin with his whip, uh, this should be over with like in a minute. It should be like Irwin tries to hit him. He gets the shit knocked out of him with a shoulder tackle. He gets back up. We get the standing suplex, and then we get the power slam. I thought this went too long. I gave it a two. Oh. Well, the Bulldog, um, he joins <laughs> Tony at ringside. Oh, and, yeah. Um, a I, bulldog I, interview. So, so, yep. every, uh, so, everyone gets a conjunction when the Bulldog talks about you. So, so uh I remember food. distinctly, Charlie, you and I talking about this when people would refer to it as Monday Night Nitro. Uh, oh, this no bring, one knows some, how to say world championship yeah, on this show. I, and this I, is the beginning of it. I, what I wrote down is he referred to it as as the WCW. Oh, yep, right off the bat. <laughs> the he, WCW. Because clearly he's like still got his he's still got you know the WWF, which makes sense. The World Wrestling Federation. Like that made sense. The World, the championship, world championship Wrestling. wrestling. Yeah. No. It just man, this is sound right. uh, he, you know. Bottom line, he wants Vader in the title, but man, his road to get there, he's, uh, you know, he's he's a little exhausted. He just got done with Dusty Dallas Page. He's a little exhausted, so he's a little all over the place. So Going through the ringer. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, all I kept thinking was like, man, you sounded more together after you know you wrestled Brett, and you were fucked apparently during yeah. that match. So, <laughs> oh, real quick, one of my favorite parts of this match is when Jesse's talking about how popular Davey is overseas. And he's like, this guy could sell out Wembley Stadium, obviously referencing SummerSlam 92. And then Tony goes, well, we will be making a European tour in London and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just sitting there like, you ain't going to Wembley. No. WCW and Wembley. Can you imagine WCW and Wembley? Dusty Dallas Page just rides out on a unicycle instead of the Road Warriors motorcycle. Just crap. I'll be right with you. In the dark match, we have Dusty Dallas Page versus Terrence Taylor. Oh, the Millennium Man. Man. Um, Here comes Antonio Schiavone. Where's the crown jewels at? Hey, I got your jewels right here. It's me, Antonio Schiavone. I, I absolutely love here how this launches us into our next, our next, uh, this next thing launches us into our next match. Holy cow! With with Eric Bischoff talking with Mister Wonderful, and then all of a sudden, Cax is like, you know what? Why don't we, uh, why, why don't we get this started right now? And then I wrote, this would be great stage direction. Exit pursued by Cactus Jack. <laughs> It's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> and and that leads us into which I was like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see this. For you, Jason, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorf versus Cactus Jack in a false count anywhere match. Who would have thought this would have been good? You know, like Paul Mr. Wonderful, great like WWF style wrestler. Not something I think about when it's like, oh yeah, Mr. Extreme, Paul Orndorf. No. Fucking A, 60 seconds in, we're getting the concrete exposed. Even though technically it was exposed like all the way around except for that little pad. But they don't get in the ring for forever. And they keep talking about how this is just going to suit Cactus. Um, and then it's just like, nah. Uh, nah. This is 
balls to the wall right from the get-go. Um, we just get the cactus goes for one of his sunset flips on the concrete, and like he flips over and Wonderful doesn't sell it, so I just called that one the just-after-sunset flip. Um, at some point, Cactus Jack goes over two security rails at one time. <laughs> And they're oh. turned in different directions. I does, is this not a spot he's done before? I feel like I've never this seen was a thing. Guardrail thing. I, yeah, I, I've, I've seen lots of guardrails, and I've seen like maybe, but I've never seen like them T-bone together. And he goes over. I both. think this is a thing for him, like one of those weird bits that just like you know what nobody does this, so I should. There's a reason <laughs> nobody does it. Fuck. <laughs> just uh, I don't understand why the ref keeps telling him to get back in the ring. It's a false yeah, count anywhere. I mean, oh. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not there. We'll see more <laughs> of that later. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the refs don't know the rules at all. Oh, no. 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 It's clear. No one does. <laughs> but we um, love to get them telling the wrestlers about the rules before yeah. the match. Oh, starts. Barry Windham's response is the best. <laughs> she sure he understands? <laughs> I, hopefully, I can remember that. But that response of Barry Windham's is phenomenal. <laughs> Man. Uh, there is some point. Uh, Mr. Wonderful creams Cactus's knee on the concrete, and it sounds mm. nasty. I was I rewound it to look for a stomp or something. I didn't see a stomp, like anything to to do this. So these guys just go ham on each other for a good little bit. Um, and Paul, like they start talking about maybe the. I like how they <laughs> they, they use this terminology. They're like you know, we were going in thinking that this was just Cactus Jack's match. Maybe Cactus Jack got uh, Mr. Wonderful into this thing. I'm just like, Cactus Jack introduced Mr. Wonderful to a kink. Um, it's it's great. Um, but do you think after Mr. Wonderful beat the shit out of Cactus Jack in Asheville, North Carolina, that he had to take his baby girl to Dollywood to make her feel better? <laughs> oh my god, it's that's the funny. WrestleMania 2000 it took me a second. joke. <laughs> it took me a second, yeah, buddy. but it's really good. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> Dollywood. Um, I know, right? Uh, it's all time. I was really, really into this. Uh, I couldn't decide between a six and a seven, and I hate doing decimals, so I'm just going to go ahead with a six. All right, Charlie, what'd you think? Man, uh, my honestly, um, with the exception of the stupid Cactus Jack sunset flip spot, which I absolutely hate, it makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, my only other complaint about this is that it's not—it's not the version of Paul Orndorff where he's wearing jeans. I, made no Remember sense because we've seen jeans? that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. at first I was a little thrown when 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 I heard what the match was going to be, but then I remembered. I was like, Paul Orndorff has like a, he has like a somewhat of a history in in that's not really talked about a whole lot in hardcore type matches, and he's really good in them. Like he did this in WCW for a little while, uh, but I think it's after this. But <clears throat> once once it all kind of clicked for me, like well, oh it's false count anywhere. I was like. Holy shit! This is gonna be awesome, and I'll be honest, I was rooting for, I was rooting for Orndorff. Uh, he, I, I really yeah. wanted him to win this, yeah, because it's it's like I feel like it's a part of his career that he didn't fully tap into, uh, that this uh, this style of wrestling, yeah, because the, the knee stuff just looks awful. The suplex on the guard. Uh, if you can you imagine if it, like if he's just a little too far ahead of his time. You know, if he if he if his career is like just spliced a little bit later, and he can do this in the Attitude Era when this is like a thing, holy shit! Yeah, I mean, this guy, like, he's. I mean, of course, he's Mister Wonderful. I mean, he had a great physique. So when you see oh, a physique yeah. like that, especially, you don't go, "Oh, this guy's a hardcore wrestler." 
It's like no, yeah. like Paul Paul Orndorff is, wasn't afraid to like get messy in there. And like I said, if he'd been wearing the jeans, I would have been all in. And I really wanted him to give Cactus a pile driver on the concrete. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. I I kept waiting for that, and I was like, come on, do it, do it. Uh, didn't happen. Uh, oh, here we go with the ref crap. <clears throat> Jesse Ventura uh, calls out the ref for <laughs> trying to get Paul Orndorff to initiate a rope break. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, it just, it's it's so dumb. And Orndorff argues, I can't really hear what he's saying, but he ends up breaking it. Uh, Orndorff, he does, I think this is a mistake on his part, but I didn't care. I was like, fuck, he's just brutal. Uh, Orndorff act, ends up switching legs on Cactus, like which leg he's attacking, which is interesting. But And the commentators don't point it out. But I just, I just kind of wrote it off as, oh, he's just trying to kill the fucker. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> like, like, that's that's fine. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think that's what I've got. The uh, you, you pointed out the guardrail spot um, where he gets thrown over too. I don't think I've seen that before. And, yeah, and Mick Foley likes to get a lot of his shit in, like, his typical spots. Like, we, we don't see his weird, like, over-the-top rope clothesline move. Um that he always does in matches. I don't even Didn't they try it? I think they try it, though. That, yeah? I think they try it, but it doesn't... Because I know what you're talking about, because I thought about it, too. Because I was like, he gets, he tries to like get his neck tied up in the, the top. Oh, I hate in, that in, spot, too. Oh, yeah. It's just, hey, let's rip my ear off once. Let's do it again. There are like there are definitely four to five signatures of a cactus jack match from this era. Yeah, into the, the elbow, of course. One. The elbow. Oh, but we do get the classic uh, inaudible grunts of Mick Foley. Uh, you know, Aja, Dojo. You know, just, <laughs> he did that so many times. Like, oh Jesus, here we go. Um, the end of the match is a little underwhelming, but uh, you know, hey, at least Polandor put his hands up uh, for the uh, the shovel shot. It's it's a fun match and probably either my second or third favorite from the show. I gave it a six. There are multiple suplexes in this match that go into awkward areas. There's a suplex onto the guardrail. There's a suplex onto the turnbuckle. Mm. There and I've, I've there may be a third one too, but it's it, it was so much fun to see Paul Orndorff just like just obliterate him this entire match like he tore off his knee his knee braces mm-hmm. <laughs> fuck you choked him you with Foley. one of the straps yeah the the thing that kills me though is he beats this dude's ass i mean he fucks him up for like 10 minutes and cactus gets one shovel shot right that's and <laughs> wins and that has that I was so pumped. I want. I was ready to give it a seven, or a six, or so. I was in that area, and I was like, "Ah, that's stupid." Four. I, oh I, no, I, you didn't. And that's just dumb. Like, I mean, you, I mean, you guys, you guys saw it. He kicked that fucker's yeah. ass the I mean, whole that's time. Part my, that's part of the reason I'm at a six. It was like I was, and like, loved where it was and, going, but there's yeah, no comeback. It's just a no, shovel to the head. It's like, and well, and you and you said it, Charlie. Like, it's not like Paul. Or- this was Paul Orndor's first foray into some like hardcore wrestling. Like, that's like he said, the dude would mix it up. So it's not like you know he was in over his head or whatever and hasn't taken a, a shot like that. It's like you're telling me, and I mean like. I'm not saying he shouldn't have protected himself, but it's like he got his hands up. It doesn't. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not like he got like just waffled by the thing. It was, eh, it's just you know, it's 
it's a protected shovel shot. Right. You know, I, it doesn't. I, I, w- I wish he'd done it more like Triple H. Right. The, the way Triple Triple H was the best at that of just putting yeah. It, he would always get hit in like his wrist. It looked like. Right. <clears throat> so, but it's still, it's that's all to say. Like I the. the the rating of the match is secondary. It's still a really fun match. Like, and it's cool to see that, like, you know, again, like, you knew, we all know Cactus Jack could do this, but to see Orndorff, again, like, in the trunks with that incredible physique, and you're just like, fuck, dude, I just wish this guy had been the WWF champion when he had his shot, you know? <laughs> you just wish, because you're just like, man, this guy really did have it all and everything. But, you know, um, Cactus Jack moves on as he's now, uh, as we had talked about, as a, uh, He's a baby face now. So full face now. Um. All right. So we get word from the the triumvirate of Eric Bischoff, Missy Hyde, and Johnny B. Bad that Ric Flair will appear tonight. Um, and now we have um. Yeah, I guess that just drives us into our next match, right? I'm just making sure my notes aren't fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. We've got. The uh, Heavenly Bodies. Uh, and I think we've got, it's, um, we're getting, what, Stan Lane and. Um, yeah, it's not and, Jimmy Del Rey. No, it's, it's Stan Lane and uh, uh, Dr. Dr. Tom. Tom. Mm-hmm. Doctor Against... of, uh, what was it? Destruction. <laughs> destruction. Destruction. Oh, yeah, destruction. That's right. Against the the Rock and Roll Express. Now, Jim Cornette's come out with him, so we have that whole backstory. And Bob Eaton has come out with him, but the referees have said, no, you can't hang around, Robert. You need to go to the back. <laughs> Poor Bobby you, Eaton is the Wolverine of WCW. He just gets keeps shoved into different groups and teams. And he's gonna and a and a I think we'll get to the point maybe where where he's part of the Blue Bloods before yeah. the end of our wow. timeline. Yeah. That would be great. <laughs> Hanging out with Lord Stephen Regal and Bobby Eaton. There's where he, was he Lord Robert then? Uh, Ur- Earl Earl Robert Eaton. Oh Earl Robert Eaton. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Boy. I'm a man. I'm I'm just glad I don't have this match. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I'm really glad I don't. So. uh Jason, have as much fun as you um, as you as you want with this. Okay. Uh, shenanigans. A five. Charlie, what'd you think? Uh, no, what, uh, I, got, I was about to say, there's no way that's it for Jason. Uh, it's close, but there shenanigans covers like the majority of what goes on in here. This is really close to a Rock and Roll Express. Midnight Express match um, without a lot of the wrestling, you know, put into it. But it like the crowd is super excited for it. I was when I saw Heavenly Bodies in court, I was like, oh, cool. And then the Rock and Roll Express came out and I go, oh, OK, I'm I'm down for this. Um, Tony Schiavone lets a Richard Morton slip. Um, I'm like, <laughs> nope, nope. He's uh, he's got patches on his pants. He's back to, to Robert. That's how you tell. That's how you tell, because uh, he didn't change his look up. He just wore, like, black slacks with tassels. Um, I noticed in this match, er, like, because uh, you see it throughout tonight, everyone is getting a powerbomb now. It's the new DDT. Yeah, um, Benoit did one earlier. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah, we didn't mention that. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think, I, I can't remember who did the powerbomb on here. Uh, and then poor Bobby Eaton comes out with an ineffective run-in. And correct me if I'm wrong, he jumps off the top rope to knee someone in the face, and he hits the wrong person. 
And then I so, think in the NWA rules match, if you no, it's the WCW rules match. If you jump off the top rope and knee someone in the face, that's a DQ. Yeah, I um, I went back. I I, I went back a second time to watch. I was like, it seems like he calls an audible. Is like, mm, should I do the Alabama Jam? Uh, no, I'm gonna do this instead. <laughs> and he does that half-hearted, yeah, like knee or whatever, and uh, it costs him the match. Yikes. Sorry. I almost wish that they would have done um, since Eden was out there, and I know it's the, the the Heavenly Bodies, but I know you guys didn't watch a lot of NXT. But there was a tag match that uh, a title match that the this faction Sanity were the faces in, and they were I forgot who they were wrestling, but they had two guys on the apron, and then when it comes time for the other guy to, for the the guy from Sanity to tag in. He jumps off the apron, and one of the other members jumps up because he had never tagged in the match. So he had never been a competitor. And they just swapped people right at the beginning. And it was pretty cool to see because all it kept saying was they were going to wrestle Sanity. They didn't say who in Sanity. So it would have been neat for they're in Asheville, and here, you know, I know it's Dr. Tom. He wants to get his shit in. But, like, Bobby just looks at, at, you know, he looks over at Ricky and Robert. What would we call Robert if Robert went corporate? Robert, I was trying Robert? to think of that, too. <laughs> it's, it's he's already like, got the name Robert oh is that or just Bob hi Bob hey Bob <laughs> no, got those TPS like... reports Bob but Robert is like cool Robert. The, Ro- <laughs> the Robert report just no <laughs> no every night Gibson, of the week <laughs> Gibson doing like a really shitty French accent <laughs> le rock and roll woo yeah. uh, <laughs> you want it we uh, no, not we, 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 no, <laughs> us, no. Uh, I don't know, we could go really wrong way with that. Um, I did. Uh, I gave this a five because I was the excitement of, of seeing the Rock and Roll Express against technically part of the Midnight Express and Cornette. Cornette getting his crap in, and he takes a hell of a lot of bumps. Um, you know, with, and still at that point, and so it's it's real fun. The crowd's into it, but again, just it it's it's like half of something good, so that's why it gets a five. Hey Charlie, do you like this at all? That's you, you know. Uh, I do. I like, was setting you up there. I was waiting here. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, because I because it's because it's it's. I don't think it's that bad. Uh, there's a couple of funny things here. So the Heavenly Bodies versus the Rock and Roll Express, and the and the hot and one of the cameras cuts to a fan sign that that says. Uh, Midnight Express is the greatest tag team ever. They yeah. didn't know. <laughs> Even the people running the show, they don't know. Yeah, don't it's know. just like eh, Express, whatever. Um, I think it's Stan, Stan Lane. He, after Cornette does his promo, Stan Lane grabs the microphone to start talking and then music hits and he just kind of, Oh, <laughs> and, he, and he just politely gives the microphone back. Stan Lane. Stan <laughs> Lane. No, pardon me. Beg pardon. It's great. Um, I'll tell you what's not great. A crisscross. <laughs> So we get this stupid-looking crisscross. I had to rewind it because I couldn't understand. Like, as stupid as a crisscross is, I, I guess I understand it uh, in a kayfabe kind of sense. But I, I guess I blinked and missed why Cornette jumped in the ring. So I had to rewind that. And like, So he was being chased by Ricky Morton. And instead of continuing to run around the ring, he ran into the ring conveniently when one of the heavenly bodies was in the midst of not even a crisscross. It was just a criss. Uh, there, like, he was... There was no one else crossing with him, so it was just kind of dumb. 
Uh, I have never seen this before, and I have decided that it is stupid. Uh, when, when your partner gets whipped into the turnbuckle, you run to the turnbuckle from the apron, and you use your body to block the blow between your opponent and the turnbuckle. So you essentially sit on the top turnbuckle on your stomach, as opposed to your back like Shawn Michaels used to do when he would pose. And I... I understand to a point, and I was like, okay, so that probably protected Ricky, but he just ran full force into Robert, and Robert's fine. Yeah, it's it doesn't really make sense to me uh, how that wouldn't have hurt one of them. He just, oh, he blocked it with his body. I've never seen that before, because <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then Pritchard tries it <laughs> and fails right. miserably. Yeah, yeah, I, I forgot about that part. I did love all the talk about Dr. Tom Pritchard, because I've always wanted to know what it was he was a doctor of, because logically, I'm like, well, if he's a doctor, what the hell is he doing here moonlighting as a wrestler? Uh, doctor of Thugonomics. At, at first there was that, yeah. <laughs> but they end up settling on the Doctor of Disaster. So, was, okay. like a, It's like an Apollo Creed kind of name. Uh, I actually, I'm sorry, fellas, I gave this a six. <laughs> well... I had a good time. on Wills. Here we go. Wait on Wills. One. No, I didn't give it a one. I mean, because look, I, I, I go back to um, your buddy Jason. He would talk about if you've seen one Sting Flair match, you've seen them all. This is is, I, every single rock and roll match, and especially yep. every single rock and roll Midnight Express match, pretty much. Like, I mean, they, they, I mean, the thing I try to keep telling myself is like, this was such a hot act back in the day. Like this, I mean, it, and you could you could see it. It was every time like Ricky's gonna take the heat most of the match. He's just gonna get the shit beat out of him, and then they'll hot tag it into Robert, and then it'll just be on from there and everything. And double drop kick, one two three, we have a good time. But uh, it it is like it's that. I I just love that WCW just can't like just shed the NWA. They got to keep bringing this NWA stuff in there, and this and. And, and I say that here just because it's just another long NWA tag match, which I know, again, like regionally and for a live crowd, I'm sure it's phenomenal. But, man, it it definitely doesn't make for the most fun rewatch. I'm not going to lie. I scrubbed ahead 10 seconds more than a few times. Like, all right, what happens next? Like, all right. Oh, great. They're, they're still double down. All right, great. There we go. I gave it a four. It, it was It's fine. It's fine. I, I you know, I, again, like, I'm sure, again, for the, the live crowd for Asheville, it was a perfect match to have. Absolutely perfect. So uh, it was well-booked from that standpoint. I'm not going to say it's my favorite thing I've ever seen. There we go. But, hey, never fear because there's goodness right around the corner. Um, we have uh, Max Payne. Guys, it's time. It's time for Max Payne to take his place in WCW history as he takes on the United States Heavyweight Champion, uh, Dustin Rhodes, which is great to see him with that belt. That's great. They kind of go through how this all came together, too, with Ricky Steamboat and the tournament for the number one contender that became the title, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, um, Charlie, I'll leave it to you, sir. Have a good time. So... I don't know if I've ever seen this before, where the guy delivers a promo, and he's and he's weird, 
and it's 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 intriguing, but you don't know if it's good or bad. And it sounds like he's going to be a real difficult type of opponent uh, for the guy that he's doing the promo on. And then when the match starts, he wrestles completely different than you were expecting. It's like if at WrestleMania 14, if when Kane finally battled The Undertaker and Kane just spent most of the time outside the ring recuperating with Paul Bearer after any, like, punch. Like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't think he'd do that. Yeah. All right, hold on. I got to think about this. Like, it was really baffling, like, watching the first probably five minutes of this match and, and just watching Max Payne work. I was wondering if he was blown up. Uh, after a certain point, because he just just didn't really seem like it, he had any rhythm. And Dustin was doing his best. Uh, I've never heard this before. He, I, although I do love it, uh, Max Payne is from the state of Euphoria. <laughs> Where, Where is so, that, Charlie? It's it's uh, it's in his mind, Jess. Yeah. I think that's what Tony said. It's in his mind. Mm-hmm. And it, but in my head, I was like, I was like, like you. I was thinking Euphoria, Wisconsin. <laughs> not just, not just a place, but a state of mind. This, yeah, From Wayne's world. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'll be honest. I I really was beginning to wonder if I was going to see a match on this card. We're six matches in. I was wondering if I was going to see a match on this card that I would deem as truly bad uh, because we hadn't had it yet. And right. uh, well, I found it. <laughs> Uh, this is this is terrible. This is this is awful. I don't even remember how it ends. It's a DQ. Oh well. Yep. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why is it a DQ? Did Max believe... Payne just not do something? He grabs the ref during an abdominal stretch. I believe he's that's straight. a no go. Oh he boy, can't... that that's and and I'm glad you mentioned that. That is like the hardest to pull off abdominal stretch I've seen. Oh like, my god, Dustin didn't quite know where to go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, and then and then I love I love it in matches when this kind of thing happens. I think Dustin Rhodes grew three inches throughout the the entirety of the match because at first he's six two, like they claim he's the same size as Max Payne, and then by the end of the match I think he's about six four or six five, and it's like. Oh, hot damn, son. You know? <laughs> I gave this a three. <laughs> Jason, what'd you think of this? So, uh, at some point, Mr. M- a guy whose name is Max Payne just gets up and kind of does the, ah, my sciatica, little back stretch. <laughs> kinda, and he's right, he's on the outside of the apron at hard cam. So it's like, ah, ah. You be making the sound. You know what he's doing. Just uh, just puts his hand above one of his fat rolls that is his hip, I guess, um, and then does that. Uh, I don't have any notes other than that because the first time I tried to watch this match, I tuned out. I don't know what happened. Like I just oh, I don't blame suddenly you. the the match is over. So then I tried to watch it again, and I got that far to see the sciatica thing, and then I, I tuned out again. And I tried it a third time, and I'm not saying this to be funny, and then I tuned out, so I just gave up. Um, I was, <laughs> I, I gave up. There's not another way to put it. I was like, you know, I, I'm not going to waste my Saturday afternoon watching Max Payne versus Dustin Rhodes for the US, United States Championship from Super Brawl 3. No. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Uh, so I'm breaking one of my own rules because I don't like to give a one because, you know, people are putting their bodies on the line to entertain, but 
I mean, clearly no one's body was on the line. Um, Somebody bit my dick off. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't try this at home. The only way this was going to end badly for anybody is if, you know, Max Payne pulled a Porkins and just exploded um, <laughs> mid-match. So, I mean, what else can I say? Think I'd about the watch, future. <laughs> I'd rather watch the Mark Wahlberg movie again than, than to ever have to sit through this match. Again. It's the only movie ever to be completely filmed in bullet time. <laughs> well, if it was regular time, it would have been 20 minutes long. Yeah, like, <laughs> which I guess that makes sense. That movie is so fucking bad. <clears throat> um, I have a few questions, and okay. um, so uh, uh, I I think the first thing I heard was his finisher is the painkiller. Why? Uh, you want to inflict pain? Why do you want to kill the pain? No, you want to like it, it a little too punny. Like why? Why are you trying to kill the pain? Like you you, you don't want that. So I can answer pain. that question. Here well, you go, William. So Max Payne is supposed to be a headbanger. Looks like Robert Smith from The Cure, who got stung by a thousand bees, and his coat is almost as bad as Dolph Ziggler's like denim oh. jacket that he had a few years back. That he oh, had a God. Megadeth patch that was misspelled because it actually spelled out the word Megadeth. Death. But uh, <laughs> but there was a, a I think a Metallica reference on his coat. There was a couple other. You know, at this point in time, I think Judas Priest had the Painkiller album out. They did. 1990. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he so is that. the... See, this is, what's, this is what's bad and disappointing about Max Payne. Is here you have the bad guy Van Hammer, if you look at it this way. And Van Hammer, like, you know, for what it's worth, it was kind of... Van a, a Hater. Little... Oh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, so... And, and then Van Hammer had to go when Van Vader showed up because you can't have two Vans because, I mean, my God. Um, but the, you know, he's at least got the energy and everything, but there's no mus- actual musical skill. Where here's this guy who would be a great compelling character because he's, uh, you know, he's ugly. He's, he's you know, uh, Van Hammer's Glanrock. This guy's like heavy metal. They could have had something compelling and good. And getting to people to start chanting, he is the painkiller. And it's an arm bar. I, mean, I don't even think we get to see it. It's an arm bar. So that's just just a bad bad name. Like you know, yeah. again, question number two: Where's the guitar? Where's the guitar? The well, guitar, he's got to follow the rules. I, I, but I mean, the guitar. Like we, they made it a character, right. and it was like it, it it brought in the show. And he played it again. Jeff like, Jarrett couldn't play one fucking note on his guitar. Like how many <laughs> times he brought that to the And then my third question is, how hype is this match to where, if I'm not mistaken, we have, um, like, the rules? Like, like we have to do the whole, like, let's meet at the center of the ring and, and do that thing about the rules? Oh, is this when Randy Anderson also can't say championship? Yeah. That's for the United States champion of the... <laughs> World Champ- championship, like it just—it's like oh, they didn't terrible. tell the refs and, they were going to have to talk. And Will, one, well, let me ask you a question because I just remembered this. Oh, okay. And, you want to ask me a question? I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Have you ever been more underwhelmed by a wrestler's ring attire than after he took Dude, off? Dude, the I—I like, I, I was going to ask the singlet or whatever you call that is because uh, the jacket's kind of cool, and you're yeah. like, oh, those must be his colors, and it's like yellow. It's fire, basically. Uh, right. And then he takes it off, and it's like these little purple ovals. <laughs> like, Charlie, he's Max Payne, not Max Heat. I, mean, right. I just I don't understand the character. 
Uh, like, it's 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 weird. Like as soon as he took the robe off, it was just oh. Connected to my last question is, why would it be not under WCW rules? Why does he have to tell us it's going to be under WCW? It's for the WCW <laughs> United States Championship. So why is this like, like the, there's with all this stuff like you would think we were getting like an an all time like classic here, and uh, this is not. I literally wrote rating two sucks, <laughs> and that was. <laughs> and then, and then what's funny is Max Payne has to get his heat back by assaulting Dustin, but it doesn't work, and he gets his back scratched, and he's done. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. He tries to go for the painkiller, and Dustin cleverly escapes the armbar. <laughs> All I of mean, his daddy's tutelage, the natural Dustin Rhodes, gets out of an arm bar. Can you believe it? And yes, scratches his back. And he's done. The guy whose name is Pain is derailed by a back scratch. <laughs> Amazing. Hey, hey, we agreed on it. None of the back stuff. Wow. I, I, I mean, that. Wow. I mean. I, I mean, poor kid. I mean, I'm I'm sure. That obviously, this wasn't the plan, but ah, all right. But um, it's okay because now it's time to bring out Ric Flair, which is an incredible pop. It's great when we hear the Ric Flair pop, and it's uh, they bring him to ringside. He's going to commentate, which is great. Some brings a nice why added dimension, huh? Go why ahead. don't they do this in the ring? Like, what is this bullshit, like, with early 90s WCW where, well, we'll interview him outside the ring. Like, like, like on the ramp? Like, no, 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 literally, like, right beside the ring. Yeah, I mean, it's just... When did the WWF start doing in-ring interviews? Because they had the position like, doing the ramp. <clears throat> they were doing it in 93, because I remember when Hogan came back to Raw, he does it after Brutus Beefcake had his face demolished. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hogan does the interview in the ring. And it's just like, here's Flair, we're in Asheville, which isn't Charlotte, but whatever. You know, go Braves. And <laughs> World what champions. You, what, well, wait a minute, does, does Brett think he owns all of Canada? You know, it just... Anyway, so, but it just seems weird. It's like the long-awaited return of Ric Flair. Let's interview you by row one, you know, and uh, hey, why don't you come have a seat? You know, it's, it's, it's anticlimactic. I want to... Because when I think of, like, Flair interviews, like, and it's probably just from the time period I grew up in, um, it was Mean Gene and Flair standing in the ring, you know, and, and, and Flair just going nuts, and you get to see the whole crowd, and it's great. But it just feels, it feels very WCW, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so did either of you write down Flair's promo? Because it's gibberish. Oh, yeah. No, no. So, what? So, real quick. Three lines. Real quick, there is a certain kind of flair promo that I noticed only here. Like, oh, like, oh my God, he's done this before. Where it doesn't matter what question you ask him, it just doesn't. He's already he already knows what he's gonna say, and whether or not it has anything to do with your question is irrelevant. <laughs> like, he's done this before. You, yeah. <laughs> if you watch, whenever they love to show the promos, like remember the old like TV promos with Tony Schiavone, they do on the stage. Yeah. He's yeah. just he's he's got his own thing he's doing. It's the question is irrelevant. A <laughs> irrelevant question Rick Flair is here to Whoa. play. <laughs> it's like uh 
Shivani asks him, how does it feel? And it, like he goes, you know, a picture, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. <laughs> See? <laughs> I'm here in Asheville. It's, woo! And, like, it's literally, that's it. Like, the, the, I'm like, okay, so what's the picture? And then they keep, during the, well, I may be jumping ahead, but still, I want to know, what is the not-so-secret service doing? I, like, yeah. throughout this match, they keep alluding to it. Like, it'd be great if these guys turn out to be wrestlers. I don't think we'll ever see these gentlemen, these particular gentlemen again. Um, You know, they got to get the headsets back to Bell South or whatever it was at that time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this all, like, and of course, like, they, they keep, and it's going to be asked throughout the whole thing. Like, you know, Ric Flair, of course, is synonymous with the NWA world title, and that's our next match, and... If, is Ric Flair going to challenge for the belt? Which is just sort of like, I don't know. I bet maybe he'll go for the television title since it's vacant, uh, Tony. So uh, it's a good bet. Um, but up next is, the, is uh, as you said, we've got Barry Windham challenging the great Muta for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And this is, again, we have to do another, let's talk about the rules in the ring. And this is where we hear... <laughs> Wyndham, Red State Wyndham here go, uh, make sure he understands the rules. That was the best. <laughs> that was the, that was such a heel thing to say. <laughs> Psycho killer Barry Wyndham is incredible. I yeah, love uh, it. This, um, I, I'm not going to lie again, Lo, that this match is fine. I, I was excited for the decision in terms of who went over because I I was wondering when I was watching it because I hadn't looked it up if Barry had ever gotten this belt because I always knew that you know he was he was always revered by all the other wrestlers as being just an incredible athlete an incredible worker all this and you know I remember like you know obviously he was with the horsemen and you know he has a face run he feuds with Luger back in the beginning with the WCW title once it's moved away from the NWA and everything but I never knew he went over and, it was, and got the belt which was really cool to see here but um I'm not gonna lie guys again like I I was not super enthralled uh, with the match like I never not, there there wasn't a lot to me I was like oh that was really cool or whatnot. it's just kind of I mean there there I know there are a few spots here and there are a lot of really cool like Muda does some really like he does his he gets his stuff in there but I'm not gonna say this match was extremely memorable but I was ex I was happy for the finish at DDT to finish it was was cool um Barry Windham goes over he's the new NWA champ I loved the pop that he got because that was one of those like we love wrestling and we love Barry Windham, regardless of face heel. And we're glad he got the belt and everything. So um, I ended up giving this a five. I, I really, again, I was happy to see the decision with it and everything. And um, we, we can talk briefly about the flair thing afterwards, but I'm more interested what you guys had to say about it. What'd you guys think of it? Do it, Chuck. So we have a one hour time limit. And if you check the timestamp, <laughs> That would mean that Sting and Vader entrances and match, they'd have eight minutes. <laughs> eight I, minutes. Yeah. Yep. Halloween Havoc '98. Like it's just like, yeah, this is the kind of shit. They're just fucking stupid. And uh, boy, if you hadn't told me how long this match was, I would have said it felt like an hour. Yeah. Uh, I was so excited to see this. And th th this this. With the exception of the ending, which is which is good, 
this match is fucking awful. Uh, and 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 it's awful. I think I think it's a generational thing because this is what I think of when I think of like a traditional NWA match. I think that's what they were going for. Which I mean, you don't expect this when you see uh, the great Muda. You know, it's it, but it's really that's another thing that's interesting is that Muda is the one who's keeping it grounded, and it's rest hold after rest hold after rest hold. Uh, it's non-stop. <clears throat> Um, hold on, let me see here. Flair's on film. Okay, did anyone catch Flair's racial slur? Yes, I, I have it written down, and then I have it in parentheses and say, do not say this. Oh, <laughs> I was totally going to say it. Uh, but <laughs> I'll let you say it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just a word. But, I mean, but when, 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 <laughs> when Flair said it, it was just so nonchalant. And I think, like, that's what really threw me. Um, I'll say it. I'm quoting a man, so it's fine. Uh, he he said something along the... And this is a compliment of all things. Uh, he said, oh, yeah, oh, those those Japs are tough. Radio edit. Uh. Radio edit. <laughs> I, it was just like, what? Oh, all right. <laughs> just, uh, I, I always mark out for the Muda elbow. Yeah. Um, the way that he moves his body, it's so cool. It just, it looks, it's destined to be in a video game. Like you see that and you're like, I want to see that in an animated video game form. Uh, my favorite quote of the match, I thought of you, Will, cause you're the one who told me what Rick Rude said to him. Uh, <laughs> Flair, man, like he must've been drunk or something. Flair goes, ain't nobody in better condition than me. And you're the world champion. You look like shit. <laughs> My favorite thing Rick Rude ever said to anybody. Uh, Ric Flair claims that there's no wrestler that is in better condition than him. And I think he's basing that strictly off of the fact that he can have consecutive one-hour matches. I think that's the basis of the comment. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, it's like, hey, you know, that's true. But, I mean, if we're... We all know it's like Flair admitted what in that documentary from a few years ago that how many martinis did he have a day? How much beer did he have? I mean, who knows what kind of drugs he was on? Like, yeah, I'm I'm sure he could go an hour. He probably couldn't feel anything. Like, I think he said he took a he took Barry Windham superplex once off the top rope. I think he says that during the match. And I'm just thinking about his plane crash and all those Flair back bumps that we always used to see. And it's like. Yeah. Well, he probably took so many of them because he couldn't fucking feel it because he was so right. he was on the he's on the alcohol. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, and then there's this weird banter. We get the Jesse Ventura comment yet again about how this is the first time Flair and Ventura have been in the same building, and then Flair actually goes over on that and says, "Yep, for the last ten years we've always missed each other by about a year." You know, it's like, yeah, that's all well and good when, uh, when you're done jerking each other off. Like, Man, didn't it feel that way? Anything? Yeah, that's, that's exactly, exactly what, what it I feels was... like. <laughs> you know, like, can we watch Wyndham and Muda? And then we go back to Wyndham and Muda, and I'm like, can we listen to the bullshit again? Yeah, and they talk about <clears throat> this not-so-secret service, and Shivani's in between Flair and Ventura, but Ventura's in between Shivani and the secret service guy. Uh, it just, uh, it doesn't... It doesn't help with the match, and there, and yeah, and like I think the reason why we keep hearing about this stuff is because there's really nothing to talk about that's going on in this match, 
bit of uh, any interest. Uh, although Muda, his, his his entire face paint comes off at one point, which I don't know if I've ever seen that before. We didn't get to see any mist. That was upsetting. Uh, but yeah, the ending was cool. I don't know if I I, I might have remember I might have known about this, but I must have forgotten about it. I did not remember Barry Windham winning the NWA title. Uh, so that was really cool. And then Flair comes in the ring and makes it about himself. Uh, and Wyndham, like, it almost felt real, which I really appreciated. Wyndham, like, made him kind of leave. But anyway, before I hand it off to Jason, and I almost forgot, Wyndham finally calls out the ref for this bullshit officiating that's been going on all night, where the ref kind of complains about Wyndham booting uh, Muda in the face. And, and Wyndham just looks at him and he says something like, what the hell are you talking about? It was flat. Right. He's talking about the about flat the stomp. of the boot. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a stomp. And, and it was like, brilliant. I was just like, that's that's great. And and Wyndham is so believable in his conviction when he says that. And even in the promo that he does after, to a certain extent, he kind of flubs a bit, but it's fine. Uh, that's the best part about this match. But other than that, Boy, I really thought this was the second worst match on the card. Uh, I gave it a four. Jason, what did you think? Did you like this more? I think this match was a victim of the match in front of it being the slog that it was because strategically and story-wise, what Muda was doing made sense. You know, Muda had, you know, he had to beat Barry in the Battle Bowl. Um... And that was a lot of alliteration without me planning on it. Uh, but he had to go through that. So he And he had to be a tag team partner with Barry in that as well. So he knows him. He knows he's a taller guy. He's a bigger guy. He knows he's not going to win the power game. So trying to keep him grounded is a great idea. The only problem is, is we just set through what we set through. And, and it's bored to tears with the other one. And so all the constant rest holds and the headlocks, while making perfect sense... They don't bring anything to the table until the match is over with. Um, I was trying to figure out at some point, where did all the smoke come from? Uh, because like, it just starts filling up with smoke, and I'm like, okay, though that pyro was a long time ago. Unless this is the slowest moving pyro smoke ever, um, maybe something else went off. I think it was a bad idea to have Ric Flair out there for this match before, because when the rap, poor ref is trying to go over his rules... Um, you know, known public speaker, WCW referee, uh, he gets thrown off by the crowd because they're chanting, we want flair. Um, so really just kind of puts a, a little bit of downer on that match um, with this. So if it wasn't for, I think the length, I think it's a little too long um, and especially followed up what it was, uh, what we just had before it. I think it really messes up the match. I gave it a five. So, yeah, afterwards, Flair comes in, he puts the belt on Wyndham, and right, Wyndham kind of gives him a look like, fuck off. <laughs> and Flair. I'm the world champion now. <laughs> Flair fucks off. Like how, like, Flair. he legitimately doesn't know that's Flair putting the belt on him. Yeah. <laughs> so then, now we can do our thing. We can talk about this, like, However you guys want to talk about this White Castle of Fear vignette, the complete vignette, you can go look it up on YouTube and watch the thing just in full all cut together, which is what I did just because the way this thing was cut up throughout the show does not make it like it's 
it's not like one of those things where, oh, cliffhanger, we'll have to wait another 10 minutes before we get another piece of the story. But um, how do you guys, like, I mean, there maybe there's a lot to unpack here. Maybe there's not. Jason, How? Would, uh, maybe this is more in your wheelhouse. Uh, what do you think of the White Castle Fear vignette? 10 of 10. <laughs> because I love the cheese. I really do. Um, like... Uh, you know, this was me at 12 years old seeing this stuff on Saturdays because they were that's how they would get you got you hyped for this was like the this White Castle of Fear vignette as a whole. Uh, and so it's really cheesy. It's really fun um, in a weird way. It's kind of meta because Stingo's this is all very familiar when he sees the midget. Right. Isn't like, that from the Jake Roberts? The yeah, spin the that's wheel? from the spin the wheel, make the deal guy. Um, and he even right. says, I think I've seen you before. It's the, just the absolute cheesiness that the, somehow the, uh, like breaking it down, the helicopter pilot, we're almost at the white castle of fear. Where is the white, like make up your mind. Are you almost there? Do you know where it is? And there's no castle. It's a cave. It's an opening in the side of the Rocky mountains. And Harley race is in his best Dieter from SNL, like, you know, black turtleneck one piece. Um, Letting Vader know Sting is here. All these evil, debaucherous people. Um, and you get the tug of war over the flaming table. Um, and it's so cool. Like, it, it, in a real, I mean, I'm not even, not ironic sort of way. I would, I loved it. Um, when I, what it actually had to do with the match, I don't know. Because um, it was a strap match, but they weren't pulling each other back and forth. Um but I, it's always a good time. These WCW vignettes that that started with the spin the wheel, and then this one, uh, there's a fun one coming up with uh, Sting and Davey Boy Smith fighting uh, Big Van Vader and Sid Vicious, who put a bomb on a boat, um, coming up in, in a couple months. Um, it's the hard to find that. Yeah, it's <laughs> Harley Race. <laughs> Will they turn on each other? <laughs> Just... <laughs> They just and need a little push. Here we go. <laughs> Why? I don't get it. I don't get. It. Sorry. Um, Harley races. <sighs> Bill, watch. You want to see a magic trick? I'll make this pen disappear. Wham. Um, make this paper yeah. disappear. Oh. <laughs> um, but I'll make your yeah, watch disappear. They they do good stuff. Like to like like everyone. And I'll say it every time. Yes, Matt Hardy had these great, wonderful like. The, the world of wrestling is, is a crazy world, so like these vignettes he did, but they are straight from WCW. And speaking of, I think Matt Hardy was here at this show. Uh, go back and watch the very beginning when they're getting the crowd shots, because there is oh. a guy who looks, I mean, like he's a jack dude. He's got the box haircut that Matt Hardy would have back from this time period, I believe, if you watch the stuff. Makes I think sense, he's just yeah. there in the crowd um, on there. So uh, with this, my spiel on and on about the videos, I love them. I don't know what you guys think about, but I, I think this is great and fun as far as the vignette. It does feel fun. It does, um, like, uh, it, I, I mean, it's it makes zero sense, but it's all just... And, and I kept thinking, like, I was... Um, Nick had reminded me, like, I had forgotten about the WCW comic. I remember the WWF one vaguely back in the day, but, like, it does tie in, like, it, to, like, this kind of semi-comic book type of feel or whatever. But it also feels like it's, like, 10 years, like, too early like it mm -hmm. feels like it feels like this thing would be like more 
I mean, it's 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 a chicken and egg thing because without this, you probably don't get to the ultimate deletion type of stuff, you know, down the road. You don't get to those types of things. And I know there was stuff in between, uh, but it does it it does feel somewhat out of place because it doesn't seem like it fits in a hundred percent with all the other stuff. But man, I I was just admiring. Like I was like, man, this thing like all the all the stuff put together with this. I mean, like there was, it was snowing that day in that room when they were putting this thing together. Like, <laughs> all right, man, let's, um, Oh, let's, let's the, the women, just how they're like repulsed. And then just want to immediately sleep with staying like immediately. Yep. Like they're the extreme super pixelated close-ups they would do. That was, yeah. cool. I, I, that stuff. I just adore. I, I mean, watching the whole thing together, like it, it is a great time. And I just, Poor Sting, just like because he he doesn't seem like he knows what to do as a performer in these because he just has the glasses on and he fake he just kind of somewhat responds. It's great that he becomes a better like actor for these types of things later on because right here he doesn't seem like he knows what to do. But Vader, I I love Vader being all in for it. Charlie. What'd you think about it, man? Uh, um... <laughs> and grunt <laughs> after all that because well, it's it's complicated uh so like the, whose idea were these were, were these dusty's ideas Man. yeah so that's what they always say is that dusty wanted to do movies and this is his kind of way of doing it um these aren't good movies so let, let like to talk about like ultimate deletion, there, it's 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 just as cheesy if not cheesier, but it's almost it's it's done on purpose. Like they know they know what it is. I swear to God, I don't. I feel like they don't. That WCW isn't self aware enough to know how these videos were coming across at the time. Now, granted, this That's is a great this point. Is a, this is a great way to differentiate themselves from WWF. Uh, but, like you said, Will, like, how does this fit into this match? And it, and it kind of doesn't. And, and, any you know, anytime we see Sting on TV, he's got the face paint on. Well, not here he doesn't. He's, he's got his walk. rocking sunglasses. He's got everything but the, but the face paint. Why? Why doesn't he have the face paint? It, it's, just, it's just fucking weird. Like, Charlie. Charlie. Do you what? remember when you and I met Sting? Oh, I think about it all the time. Yeah. Right. Did he have the face paint on there? Well, yeah, because he's Sting. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he Sting then too. It wasn't which... a. Fa- well, yeah, but he's not wearing the face paint. He didn't go to the signing in Greenville as Steve Borden. Like he went as Sting. Yeah, but he just wore the glasses. He didn't wear the face paint. He didn't even have the trench coat. He was just cool looking, like sixty year old man. Like, hey, yeah. how's it going? Let me still, shake your hand. Yeah. Right. But he's still Sting. You know, he's the Stinger. <laughs> like, sometimes during the uh, the late 90s, we would see him backstage, you know, talking to Luger or whatever, and he wouldn't have face paint on. You know, we saw, like, glimpses of it. But here's a whole fucking mini-movie where <laughs> where he doesn't have the paint. And it's like, you know what? Like, and that's, how, that, that's what makes me think they didn't realize how cheesy these were, because it's like, how awesome would it be if Sting had the face paint on and this is just how he is? You know, this is just... He just walks around, flies in helicopters. This is how he always looks. You know? Like, we're supposed to assume that Vader, like, lives here or something. 
You know? Yeah. <laughs> With That's Harley true. Race as, like, his Alfred. That's what I'm talking about. He's just got that. Harley Race is just making these, like, really existential black and white movies in the back about pain. No pain. No pain. And Harley's like, more pain. It's just this. <laughs> Wouldn't it's have been just, great if Sting came in with a gun? Yeah, he just <laughs> comes in like freaking They it. Live. He's got Sting's glasses are the glasses from They Live. Because <sighs> oh, they, uh, they hadn't figured out how to digitally remove the cameraman from the reflective glasses either, which is my right. favorite part oh, of these close-ups. Even better. The, and the cameraman's there. But, yeah. And, <sighs> and wh- why is it called the White Castle? Like, like first of all, like, like you said, there's no castle. It's but snow. it's also like a fucking chain of restaurants. Like, so, like, my mind always goes to that, and it's, it just feels like something, like, someone wrote a sentence down, and they're like, what does that mean? I don't know, we'll figure it out later. And they just kind of figured it out later. And to not see the entire video during a, the pay-per-view broadcast is unbelievably strange to me. Like, why they wouldn't do that. Because uh, it's the hype video package. Or is it? I mean, it has nothing to do with the match. But at least it would have been something. It's like, wouldn't you want to showcase this more? Like, because, I mean, granted, like like I said, it is super fucking cheesy. I don't necessarily like it. But I do appreciate it, because it reminds me of early 90s WCW. And it's like, oh, that's when they were doing all that crazy shit, trying to be different. Yeah. And and it doesn't necessarily work. But I do, I do like it in that it's not like the WWF. Because whenever they tried to be the WWF, it didn't fucking work. No. 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 But anyway, that's that's how I feel about it. Well, Jason, it worked out great that you get to do the Sting match. So we have our lights out leather strap match between Sting and Vader. So finish us off here. Gotcha. Another favorite thing, just to go back to the video... When the chick with the crown goes to put the strap on Sting, he's like, give me that. I could do it myself. <laughs> Get away from me, harlot. It's just it's all it was missing. It was just like sanctimonious Sting. Um, it is a non-sanctioned match, but it has graphics. Um, <laughs> it's always my favorite. Uh, we have nothing to do with this, but we did pay someone <laughs> to put it on the screen. Um, I want to give credit to the guy in the crowd who, uh, he's like, you know, I'm going to make a cardboard sign. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to use one of those old school windshield cardboard covers because it'll be real big and yet not cumbersome to hold. Uh, so good for him. Uh, he gets a 10 out of 10. Um, so the, uh, white castle of fear cut to Harley immediately blading Vader's back (laughs) after Sting whips him twice. Oh, and he gets what it was. Yeah. Cause you see it. Like, it's bad camera work. They cut to it, and he's just right there. Um, So, and and I didn't understand. um, I have never seen a four-corner post-match that you can win outside the ring. How cool was that? I love that. (laughs) If it would have worked, yes. I never thought of it. But it seems like a lot more work. (laughs) It does. You got further to go. um, And you get your opponent... So I don't understand these. I think they didn't they have another one of these matches a few pay per views ago, and it's like it they have to touch the post, but it's not just sequential. Like your opponent can't have any offense before you touch all four or something, because referee Nick Patrick keeps restarting the count, and I, I don't understand. Um, well, in this match, it's you can't stop the momentum. Okay. They they were adamant about that, and that plays into the finale. 
you can't stop the momentum. Well, someone did, and it was Max Payne. Um, <laughs> so at some point, the someone's getting whipped, and Jesse just starts talking about Tony whipping his kids. And Tony squashes <laughs> that shit. No, you shut up. <laughs> like, and it's he not brought up that. again. Yeah, it's not brought up again. Um, one of my favorite things about Harley Race as the manager of Vader is his joyous motions whenever Vader does something good. Just that real slow, yes, he has got old lady at church energy, especially with his big perm. Um, and now that Harley Race is dead, I'm, I'm okay saying that because uh, he can't come get me. Um, there's all these times during the match when Sting is dragging Vader and Sting has got like three quarters of the strap like pulled up into his hands and just keeps stalling like he can't pull Vader anymore. Like, can't you use the remainder of the strap? Like, there's six more feet of, of leather strap to use. What are you doing? I mean, I know it's I, I know it's making it look more dramatic like a wrestler trying to climb a ladder, but I don't understand when you when you have enough slack that the freaking strap is hitting the floor, that's a lot of fucking, uh, whatever, the slack. Uh, so I, I don't get it. Um, do we really need a ref bump in a strap match? <laughs> like, I, I, it's like a hat on a hat with a mustache and a mask. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, it's like we get, we you know, it pulls into, here goes Vader, he gets to do his thing, he winds up winning. Uh, because of shenanigans. And of course, good guy Sting just takes the loss in stride and <laughs> begins to beat up Vader and whip him <laughs> after the match. Uh, so I don't, you know, I, I don't get some of that. I like the idea since this is not for the title. Um, they do talk about like Vader's just using it as an advantage to beat up Sting and remove, like, remove one of his biggest threats to the championship. It does make Vader and Harley Race seem like really smart bad guys. And we know they're bad guys because at the beginning of the pay-per-view, once again, the narrator, the evil Big Van Vader. It's like, let me decide who's good and who's bad. I'm the moral king, not you, disembodied voice. Um, but as a whole, the match itself wasn't that good. I gave it a four. Charlie, what'd you think? Do you, do you think, uh, did Sting bust Vader's eardrum? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I think he. I like, think those right hands, those were looking crisp. That looked pretty crisp, gnarly. Yeah, I mean, just like because the further up to you to his ear that I looked, the darker the blood got. Oh yeah, and it it just looked bad, and I did not notice that it was a blade job because I was paying real close attention when Vader was whipping Sting, and because I was like, okay, where's the blood? Because it's like. Vader is certainly stronger than Sting, so we should be getting some blood here. No blood. So that was, like, I guess my first hint that something might be fishy. It didn't seem like Vader was holding back on those uh, those whip shots. Um, so if a match is non-sanctioned by WCW and the referee gets hurt like he does here, are they not liable if the ref gets hurt? <laughs> question i think i i just are they liable are they liable like is non-sanctioned yeah go ahead we'll do a bit no it's just, yeah, they're gonna get a they're gonna they're gonna get a phone call from uh, bill green or something after they're gonna the ref nick patrick's gonna call max Payne with his team of attorneys his team of attorneys it's great it's a because, great question because i think that's what they always try to insinuate by non-sanctioned it's like well i mean 
something happens, we got nothing, we got, we're not liable. We got nothing to do with it. But the ref gets hurt, and a, a match that's non-sanctioned, and you still have the ref barking orders at people, <laughs> which is just—it's like—is that his humanity coming out? It's like, humanity. Like, I'm always trying to figure shit like that out because it's because you know I, I try to make sense of a nonsensical sport, and uh, that's that—that's the only thing I can come up with. It's just like there's no reason to tell him to stop whipping him or stop splashing him. If it's not sanctioned, unless of course you don't want him to die, so like that seems to make the most sense to me. Um, uh, I had this random thought, and uh, maybe you guys can help me, especially you, Jason. Have they? <laughs> has a strap match ever been in a wrestling video game? I don't think so, because it would. How the hell would you do that? I don't know. I don't know how you do it, because that's what I was trying to think. It's like. Can you can you wear him down enough, and then you have to like tap A furiously and like hold the directional to like a, a turnbuckle, and you can like slowly drag him. Like oh my, don't give them any ideas because some of these submissions <laughs> they put. In these I would games. just want all I want is a special to where if I jerk at the right time, I can kick him in the gut and stun him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Or just the the back and forth reflex. Oh yes, but I I don't know like. Would, would it be something they would put in and it's all contextual and no actual wrestling? That would kind of suck. I don't know, uh, yeah, because that's kind of like what ECW uh, did with the, um, the barbed wire match. Yeah, it just it didn't really affect the match at all except that you saw blood and there were no ropes. You know, because it's, it's, you know, like as, as wrestling games keep going, it's like they keep like adding every match you can think of. And all of a sudden I realized I'd never seen a strap match before. And there have been so many strap matches that, uh, that 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 have happened over the years. So yeah, just a thought. Um, I think you should tweet Kenny Omega no, that they should a put a strap match in the AEW game. I never said never it was a good one. idea. <laughs> well, you you've opened that bottle. Because I mean, I remember one of the ECW games had a had like a dumpster match, and. You, you, all you had to do—it was anarchy rules. All you had to do was throw the opponent over the top rope, somewhat near the vicinity of said dumpster, and if they went in, but hey, we have a winner. You know, it's just like, oh, that kind of sucks. <laughs> but um, anyway, to get back to the match, uh, I absolutely love the crowd. The crowd is fantastic, and not only that, but I, I really think this might be—and um, it's not a long list. Like the only other one I can think of is. Um, I think it was fully loaded. Ninety nine, The Rock versus Triple H had a strap match that was uh, that was pretty good. Um, this is better than that. This this might be the best strap match I've ever seen. I'm not usually a fan of this type of thing, but the way that these two go about it is great. I love that Vader can't climb the top rope in a traditional manner. Yeah, yeah. He's got to think I, about it. He got agile, like. The way that he moved around that corner, I was like, oh shit, look at Vader. And uh, Sting loves to do that really bizarre looking splash <laughs> off the top rope. You know, the one where he's like, and, and, and like, uh, he's like, it's like a spider falling out of the sky. Like, all of his limbs are going in different directions. Like, uh, you know, like, it's not like a money shot. You know, it's not as good as Val's. But. The, the way that Sting does it always kind of made me laugh because he just starts flailing all of his legs and arms and, and it's just like, oh, how's he going to land this time? It's, 
and he does it like stinger sploosh. Yeah, he does it like three or four times, and yeah, now that you mention it, I don't think we even saw a stinger splash. No. Uh, but I do love. I've always loved Sting's comeback punches, where it's like a couple of straight punches, and then his little weird karate chop <laughs> punch. Yeah, just like oh, he knows karate now. Uh, like that's that's fun. Um, this match is a lot of fun, and the finale. So yeah, the the momentum doesn't necessarily get broken, I guess, uh, but uh, Vader's spirit does, because yeah, that whipping he takes in the corner. Uh, yeah. I was like, this is like Hogan '92 Royal Rumble levels of bad behavior. Uh, just like, nope, that doesn't work for me. Woo! You know, and just just starts whipping the shit out of him, like in the face. Um, good match. I gave it a seven. Whoa. I, uh, man, I, uh, my biggest note is Sting fucks this man up, and it's about yeah. time that Sting gets it's to really lay time. in. Yeah, I mean, because, you well, know. it's about this... time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, that we put it all on the line. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, man, there, there, it is a brutal match. I mean, Vader gets in his shots as well. I don't know how many of those Vader splashes he hits. The top rope Samoan drop. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, I I just... I Sting is a, such an anomaly because he had such a perfect body in terms of like... Yeah, he's smaller than Vader, but he's still very big. Like, he's tall and he's... Like, he can still pick Vader up with ease and body slam him. Like, it's not even a thing for Sting to body slam Vader. It's just, ah, whatever. It's just a Tuesday You've body slam. It. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I mean, he can do a belly to back suplex to Vader. You know, he can just like do all these things to Vader. I mean, it's. I, I always liked that Sting was a heavyweight that could move like Randy Savage in a way, not quite as good as Randy Savage, of course. But I think it was really cool the way he could like, he could do heavyweight stuff. He could do some light heavyweight stuff. He could do his itsy bitsy spider splash thing. You know, that you're talking that's about. It, that's it. <laughs> the arachnophobia splash. I don't know. The itsy bitsy splash, yeah, that's perfect. I I just I what pissed me off. I was like, oh, this isn't for the title, man. Fuck this. Like I was just sort of like, man, yeah. I I wanted the title to be online. I know it's unsanctioned. I get it. Which I'm just like, well, whatever. I mean, like you still have the WWE ref, so how unsanctioned is it really, folks? So I mean, um, all that, man. But yeah, it's a it's still a damn good time, and I love seeing Sting get his. I I, I was really thrown off that Sting didn't win. I was like, oh man, he lo- he lost again. <laughs> Like it really does feel like so. I kept thinking about Jeff Goldblum. So you said Sting's supposed to be the star of this. He's supposed <laughs> to be the. St- <laughs> Hello, Bill. <laughs> and but just Sting, not- he did. He is the king of cable. Yeah, I mean, he gets in his Covet, stuff. Don't Covet. I mean he gets the heat back at the end and all that. But I still really like this. I just love the brutality of it. I gave it an eight. Whoa. Um. Odd man out. Jason, what did you give it? Did you give it a four? I gave it a four. Oh, wow. I thought I was reading that wrong. I was like, no. no you're not reading your own writing wrong, no. <laughs> it's, again, because it had nothing to do with White Castle. There was no burgers. There was no fire. There was it, Even if they just had, like, if they pulled, if they brought out people to just be crazy minions, to just stand outside the ring, or something just to, just to connect it. It's like, you know, like you said, Charlie, they just go, we'll figure it out later, and then they just never do. Yeah. Um, to tie I like it in. the Black Scorpion. Yeah. Well, uh, that was different. <laughs> That's, that was, was like, well, I mean, that was a train wreck. This is not a train <laughs> yeah, wreck. Yeah, it's not nearly as bad as that. 
So, wait a minute. So you're saying that you, in terms of this entire, like, feud, you prefer the White Castle of Fear video vignette over this match? Yes. <laughs> Just one yes. clarification. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget my 10 for the video. No. <laughs> and, and my 10 to the guy with the sign. So this match is rocking a 24. According to Bret Hart, that's a solid wrestling. <laughs> but before we close out the show we get one more promo and it's for Barry Windham the new NWA world champion uh, and I was really thrown off by this too because I was like okay logically okay we're gonna say he's he wants to go after Vader okay sure because this belt doesn't mean shit apparently so I want to go get the WCW title but instead Barry's like no 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 all bets I like I want all yeah. the belts. I want all and I was the like, belts. I was like, what a strategy this is. Like, all right, Barry, I like it. So, uh, you know, if you've got a title belt, be warned. Barry Windham may be calling you up saying, hey, man, can we do a match? So <laughs> I like it. That, that's how it's going to be. Hey man. hey, man. It's me, Barry. <laughs> Windham. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, that Barry. Here's the thing, though. Dark, Dark you show. not... Yeah. Like in the back of your head, hoping that while Wyndham newly crowned NWA World Heavyweight Champion, that Ricky Steamboat doesn't pay him back with his own Pearl Harbor to set that up. That oh would have man, been yeah. awesome! Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But no, um, do you have the ratings, Charlie? I just got it. Okay, cool. What's the number? Okay, uh, I have the match ratings at the highest. With a 5.5, 5. Uh, Jason, you are at the lowest with a 4.5. Will, you're at a 4.87. Uh, right in the middle. Ding, ding, ding. We gave this show a 4.96. Wow. Oh. So here look, on a cagematch.net, this has a 7.91 rating. I don't, I don't doubt it. This is actually a fun show. And Meltzer, Meltzer actually has multiple high ratings on this show. First, he gives Scorpio and Benoit three and three quarter stars. He gives Cactus Jack and Paul Orndorff four stars. Whoa. He gives the tag team match with the Rock and Roll Express and the Heavenly Bodies four stars. He's disqualified. <laughs> and then he gives the the White Castle Fear match four and a quarter stars. But let me that. ask you. Let me ask you this: Why? Did he see Regal yet? And hasn't heard good things. <laughs> Stay tuned for Slamboree for that answer. <sighs> wow! So that was fun. That was uh, Super Brawl three. So the next, our next pay per view is the debut of Slamboree. Exciting! Woo! All right. All right. It's going to be great. So Exciting, as Charlie yawns. Yeah, I did yawn. <laughs> it'll, be fun to get, uh, it'll be fun to get back into it. Please send us your thoughts on, uh, you know, uh, if you think Steve Regal's got what it takes to make it in this uh, this little promotion, if you've heard yeah, good jam. things as well. Um, but in the meantime, we're on Twitter at New Blood Pod. We're on Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast. I am at William Rinkin 83 I'm at the Jason Kiesler. And I am at CM underscore stabs. We'll see you all again for Slamboree. Exit chased by Cactus Jack. Kick out! Kick out, Cactus! Goodbye, my friend. That's the goodbye. Goodbye, Cactus. Thanks for the great memories, buddy.
this cactus. Godspeed, Mick Foley. You